Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. So we're off and running on this Tuesday morning. It's a story actually that I saw last night and um, it's starting to break uh, online and I think it may have made one or two of the late editions of tabloids, but it's, I, I don't know how true it is. Now, it could have been a, a bunch of young women who were just joking or they may well have been serious. It's a 55-second clip that they posted on tip, TikTok. TikTok, I should say. It's a video. And they're all on it, speculating which one of their friends will catch uh, coronavirus, COVID-19. The group of girls are guessing which of their pals will test positive. And it's set alarm bells off where they live uh, in and around the Scaries area. And two local sports clubs now have suspended all activities. Uh, and these young women in the video are saying, I think such and such will get it because she shares drinks and she licks people. I think such and such will get it because uh, she hugs me and hugs other people. Uh, another person says, I got it. So this other friend of mine is bound to get it. Uh, I, I, I would hate to think that it's real. Um, and even it's not even a funny joke, but we'll have to see how that one unrolls or unfolds in, in the in the coming hours or days. Uh, meanwhile, very interestingly, buried away in the papers actually is a story that talks about overseas travel. It's a star story from the CSO. They obviously uh, got the numbers crunched by the CSO. And over a quarter of a million people left Ireland in August. Now, when you look at the figures for April, or sorry, should I say June and July, it was like fifty and 60,000 people left the country. But as soon as August came along, 275,400 people left the country. So where were they going? And there was also a fairly handy amount of people who came into the country, uh, 227,000 of them in the month of August. So that's a substantial increase. And uh, I wonder if that over a quarter of a million were people, many of them going on their holidays to these so-called green list countries. You heard the news at nine o'clock and it's, it's only right that they should reverse that stupid, stupid decision or that idea they came up with that, yeah, they'd listen to teachers grading for leaving search, but they'd also look at the school's performance performance over recent years. So that's the stupidest thing and the most unfair thing I ever heard. And it caused chaos in the UK. So they're scrambling now at the last minute and the examiner lead with it. Uh, the, the grading now will be based on very much on uh, the teacher's grade for the student, which is only fair and equitable. Creches, meanwhile, are crying out for faster testing for workers, according to the independent. And there is now um, a push in the UK that anybody working in creches or indeed in school scenarios should be tested three times a week. I mean, whether that would ever catch on or whether they'd be capable of doing it, I just do not know. Simon Harris, uh, always great for a quote, uh, said yesterday that there were no students at the Golfgate event. Uh, he declared that young people are widely criticised for partying, but there were no students in Clifton, he said. Mind you, there was a fairly handy handy amount of them down in Killarney at the weekend, partying. Uh, and then this outbreak that was, uh, you know, this flight that came from Greece to Cardiff, uh, where a pa- passengers claimed that the virus outbreak, which there was a virus outbreak, because everybody now has to be tested on the flight. They're blaming um, the staff on board, the crew, for not enforcing mask rules, and for not stopping people walking around on the flight, they're saying actually that the crew went behind the curtain up at the front and really didn't care what was going on on board the flight. Uh, so that's an interesting one that makes many papers today. Um, and as to whether or not, you know, sport should be back or not, the lead story in the Irish Times this morning says that um, uh, there's been at least 55 coronavirus infections in August that have now been linked to sport. Um, I don't... Th- I, uh, do we ever get, I suppose it's only normal that we get jaded 
jaded by coronavirus stories, don't we? And jaded by the amount of medics and experts and professors and doctors that get rolled out. But I suppose there's not much we can do about that. Um, and while you're working from home, the English Times this morning is saying, you're, remember I was saying yesterday that you're, you're sitting, uh, you know, an awful lot longer now, four hours longer than you ever would have before if you're working from home. That's very bad for posture and, and physical health and what have you. But apparently in the UK, they're saying that people working from home now are working an extra hour. Not paid for it, but they're working an extra hour. That's why they're saying that people working from home, companies love it because they're being more productive. Um, as to how productive we'll be at an EU level, the Mail this morning is saying that Brussels says that if we don't nominate a woman uh, to replace Phil Hogan, uh, there's a very big chance that we lose the agriculture portfolio. And the government's under pressure now to appoint a woman to the crucial EU commissioner's post. Um, I often wonder why in the name of God people just aren't given jobs and promotions and positions of employment based on their talent and not on their sex. Now, of course, the balance need to be red- needs to be redressed. And though I understand that that's why, uh, you know, there is a push uh, to have more women in the workplace uh, and also more women in serious positions of responsibility. So it's a bit of a hot potato uh, because some would say that it could also be deemed as sexist against men. So the papers this morning deal with that also. And then a lot of antisocial behaviour uh, on trains. More than 500 incidents of antisocial behaviour. This would be assaults on staff, assaults on passengers, drinking, roaring and screaming, uh, you know, messing and stuff like that on trains. The story from the start today. Uh, and a bit of good news as well. Douglas Village Shopping Centre will open in 10 weeks. We were wakening up this time last year to the news that the shopping centre had been decimated by fire. This time last year, that's the story we were dealing with. And because of coronavirus, apparently an awful lot of people have saved an awful lot more money. The Independent says that households in Ireland have put 10 billion euro under the mattress, not quite, uh, but into bank accounts and credit unions. That's what people have been saving as a nation. That's what all of us have saved uh, during coronavirus. They just have spent less money and the CSO have released that. as Apparently now there's 220 billion euro in Ireland on deposit. Um, other stories, of course, dominate uh, stuff that's been happening online. And one that I've been watching quite closely over the last couple of weeks is the story of Lisa McGowan. She runs the popular Lisa's Lost List website. She claims to have been targeted by trolls, stalkers, getting abusive texts and messages, um, and also not just her, but members of her family on Facebook and on Instagram. So she's gone to court, in fairness to her, to the high court, and she's paying her own costs. And she has now been successful, although Facebook didn't fight her on this one. She is going to be provided with information to identify the anonymous persons who are trolling, defaming and stalking her. Facebook now will have to give her all details about those account holders, including their identity, you know, their names, their postal addresses, their telephone numbers, their email addresses, their IP addresses as well. So I would think that there's at least a few people now quaking in their boots because they're about to be unmasked. Adele is in the middle of a race row. She's been accused of cultural appropriation. I mean, I understand, you know, that we need to address the balance in many aspects of society and history. But I sometimes wonder... Have we gone completely the other way and over the top? She dressed up in a Jamaican flag bikini and she put her hair in an African bantu, which is knots, African bantu knots in her hair, because the Notting Hill Carnival should have happened but didn't happen. And would you believe it, she's being uh, trashed and trolled 
and also been called out on uh, social media because of the photograph. It's called cultural appropriation, that she's not Jamaican and she should stay the hell away from the dress or the hair design. There's an interesting story coming out of um, Waterville, a super restaurant down there. They call it Dooley's Seafood Restaurant, but they also do a cracking steak down there where somebody had a booking uh, and then they called back to check the booking and they asked what the protocol was for COVID-19 and apparently... Uh, the staff said, you must wear masks coming in the door and masks until you sit at your table and you can then take your mask off. So they cancelled the booking because they don't agree with masks. And it's a story from this morning's exam. It's interesting because I've been dealing with stories like that on the air over the past couple of weeks. I was in a seafood restaurant at the weekend and there's a rule that you have to wear the mask going through the door and when you're seated down, you take the mask off. I didn't see any blind bit of worry about it at all. I mean, what is the big deal? I mean, the person who cancelled, they're the ones who really lost out because Dooley's is a fine restaurant and they missed a great meal and a great night out. Papers also tell us today that years and years ago, Bronze Age man kept human remains as relics. It's kind of interesting. It might sound gruesome now, but it was perfectly normal back then. In fact, uh, with certain bones that were long enough, belonged to loved ones, they turned them into musical instruments. Like a long bone was turned into, say, for instance, a flute. You wouldn't quite call it a tin whistle. You'd probably call it a bone whistle. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. Lines open at 1-850-104-106. You can text 0868-104-106. And also, uh, another travesty that uh, that walks amongst us. Remember, I was talking about how KCs aren't doing burgers in the Douglas restaurant and people were getting takeout and people were getting very upset about that. Uh, Kevin in Kilbihany travels always uh, from way up there to way down here to get his KC's cheeseburger. And he says, I totally agree with your texters highlighting the withdrawal of our human rights by KC's not doing burgers. This is the real scandal of the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, send prime time in to investigate it, Neil. I've not had a KC's cheeseburger in over six months and it's adversely affecting my mental health, says Kevin in Kilbehany. Lads, we need to at this stage now call KC's or at least reach out to them on social and ask them, what's the deal here? People are having withdrawal symptoms and pangs for the lack of a Casey's burger. And we can find out where they're at with that. And then an interesting one. I know the schools are back and we did a Vox box from the yesterday. Neil, I was at school yesterday in the north side. All seemed to be running smoothly inside the school with a system of two parents at a time for at least two minutes for a child starting school just to help them settle into the classroom until all of a sudden the principal comes in and he's shouting, get out, get out, coronavirus. One child bawled their head off. Shocking to say the least and so unprofessional. Uh, I'm looking after kids who haven't returned to school yet. Otherwise, they come on air. Well, thank you for the text all of this. I think the principal could have been certainly calmer about it, don't you think? Anyway, to the phone lines we go. We've got a real mixed bag for you this morning. Joan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Now, I, I read out an email belonged to you the back end of last week regarding your son. And then I believe that one or two TDs have said they'll investigate and try and help. It's to do with your son's Susie grant. Now, the Susie grant is a grant given to students who um, who qualify to help them go to college and pay their bills and pay their way, isn't it? That's right. Uh, and yeah. you thought you'd get it, but were turned down. Just remind us again why. I was actually convinced that we were going to get it. Um, we had applied straight away when the Susie Grant form came out. 
and we filled it out and the usual, we sent away all the forms and we got refused on the fact that um, I am not legally separated. Oh, I remember the email now. Yourself and your husband split up after 20 years of marriage. How long are you apart? We're apart now 10 years. And I remember asking the question when I read out the email, why didn't you go about legal separation and divorce? I suppose, Neil, the reason was he left the country, you know? Yeah, yeah. That, so, makes, it, that makes it nigh on impossible then, does it? Well, it did for us. And the fact that we had lost our, our family home, it was repossessed. So myself, my son decided we'd start a new life. So we Was it that the mortgage couldn't be paid, yeah? Well, I had to try and pay it on my own and it was impossible because I had lost my job. So, unfortunately, the mortgage repayments weren't able to be paid. And was it a family home for a long time? It was a family home for over 23 years. It must have been heartbreaking to have to leave it, was it? I suppose at first, you know, you're kind of dealing with the stress of you're not just losing your home, you're losing the memories that were in the home and, you know, and then you're trying to find somewhere for yourself and your your son to live, you know. It, it was at first, I have to say, but we've made a great life. And was there much, I don't mean to pry, but was there much outstanding on the mortgage? Well, we had remortgaged, oh, you know, sure, when the I Celtic know. Tiger happened and the money was flowing and, I you know, know, we both had great jobs. I suppose, you know, people kind of say, right, we can afford to do this and we can afford to do that. Unfortunately, then... Can't life change, like, with the click of your fingers? Can't it really? It it really can. It really can. And our lives have changed drastically over the last... And where did yourself and your son then go to? Did you rent? We we moved, yeah. We rent in... We're down in Cork now. And you're down in Cork for a new life. When did you come down? We came down six years ago. Okay, okay. Are you getting back Um, on your feet? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we're a good team together. Okay, okay. I'm I'm not going to go into the breakup. That's personal, and I want to respect you, but also I want to respect the anonymity of your your ex-husband. But you you, you never got... He left the country, but was there any maintenance ever paid or money ever given or anything like that? No? No, there wasn't. There wasn't. There was never... I never sought to look to see where he went to because I had heard that he had left the country. So out of sight, out of mind, you know, days run into weeks, weeks run into years and you're busy wearing your children, you know. And I just wanted to make sure that he had a safe and secure home. And you know that he was happy because it was very dramatic for I him. I know, I know. You and know? he got, and he he you relocated here, and he went to secondary school down here. And now the idea is that he will move on to college. Well, he wants to, Neil. He wants to go to college. You know, like I'm not forcing him to go. It's something that he wants to do. He, you know, he got on great in secondary school. He really did. He loved every minute of it. And he kind of said, no, ma'am, I want to go to college, you know. So it was a case of, okay, fill out the forms and, you know, do what you want to do, you know. I know, I know. And there'll be be fierce regret for him, but awful regret for you and almost guilt if you can't make that happen. I feel so guilty, Neil. I know. I was thinking thinking about this at the weekend because I was thinking about my own 
school years and stuff like that. I don't know whether this goes on anymore, and I'm addressing this to all of the listeners, but do you remember years ago when we were younger, there was three classes. There was the A, the B, and the C. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. When I look back on that now, I thought that was very cruel, wasn't it? That like that you were you were earmarked really for the rest of your life in school as to how smart somebody decided yeah. you were, yeah, and then exactly. you were you were you were almost like um, educationally appropriated into the weak class. Yeah, and yeah. that was that could well be you then for the rest of your life. Yeah, and that was, was an awful like the thing. Dunce, the dunce. <laughs> yeah, do you know we'd have like I remember six A, six B, and six C, and the A ones were the smart guys and. The C were the dopes. I thought it was awful, yeah. you know, to, to categorize people like that. But, but somebody said that you should go to see a solicitor, get an affidavit, as in swear an affidavit and sign it, that you've been separated for X length of time and that you've nev- never, ever received maintenance. Um, I have done that, Neil. Oh, for God's sake. Listen, I have gone through the loops of everything because I didn't just apply for the Susie grant and we got back, it was refused. This was going on months. I have been back and forth to solicitors. When the affidavit didn't work, I went back to the solicitor and I asked her, could she write a letter? Because that's what I was asked to do. Yeah. Get a letter from, from the the solicitor stating, you know, but they have never dealt with my case. They have never dealt with my separation because I have never had one. Who's they now? The department? My you... solicitors. But will did you get an affidavit filled out? I did. Yeah. I got an affidavit. That didn't work. So they asked me to get a letter from my solicitors, which I did. I got a letter. I went back to the solicitor and I asked her for a letter. But she has never dealt with a legal separation. So she wouldn't give it to you, is it? Well, no, she gave she gave me a letter stating that they have never represented me for a legal separation, which they, they're, they're truthful, they haven't. And what did Susie want? What kind of a letter? They wanted proof of separation. There isn't any? No, I can't give them what I don't have, Neil. But what, what do you, if that's proof. the law, that's the law, isn't it? What, do you, what can you do about it? You can't, well, could you give, them, kinda, do you give them all of your bank accounts? I gave them everything, bank accounts. I, there's nothing I haven't been honest with them about. I have given them everything. I've even offered for them to come to my home. I wanted to talk to them, you know, personally, to see, you know, maybe get a better understanding. So you're techni- as far as everybody's concerned, you're technically married and your husband's overseas. Yeah, yeah. And have you any contact with him at all? Does he know this is going on with his son? No, no, no. Okay. We have no contact with him at okay. all. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, we got social housing down here. From um, We went to Cork County Council and I spoke to a lovely girl six years ago. And in affidavit, I got, that's how I went back to the solicitor. And when were you hoping for your son to start? Ago. Is it this September? Well, yeah. I'm hoping he gets into college this year. Is he a place? Well, the, the leaving results haven't been out well, yet. No, so. on the basis that like he, he knows what he wants to do and everything. Yeah, absolutely. What yeah. does he want to do, incidentally? He wants to do engineering. Oh, right. Fair play to him. That's a tough one. He's yeah. going to need a good leaving cert for that. Yeah, yeah. And he's confident? We've, we've worked hard, Neil, for 
just leave him, you know. Sounds to he me as if you have, in fairness to you. You've done a, a lot of heavy lifting as a mother, you can be sure of it. Um, just hold on a second there, because I know um, Thomas Gould, the Sinn Féin North Central TD, was on this. Tom, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Are, are there merits in this, I wonder? There actually, Neil, there's fierce merit in uh, what Joan is describing there. Um, this is a very unusual case. Like, as she is outlined, she was abandoned, he left, she doesn't know where he is now. She went away, she raised her son, he studied very hard, he wants to go to college. These are the kids we should be supporting. The problem with Susie, it's very black and white. Yeah, I thought and, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, what we're trying to do, and uh, Ken Weldon in my office, which you, you probably <laughs> spoke about before, yeah. uh, he's doing excellent work. He's working now on behalf of the family. And what we're looking for is for Susie to use a bit of common sense here. And do you know if historically Susie lift, look at cases in particular that don't meet the criteria, but they deal with it on basis of merit? Well, you see, what we're going to do now is put forward the argument. And as Joan has outlined, she has an affidavit with states. And I think they have to accept that. And I'm really hoping they, they will. No, they have used their common sense in the past, but it requires a bit of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A bit of encouragement. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, a bit of arm twisting. I know it's a gentle persuasion. But like, this is a really genuine case, Neil, and you're speaking to her, herself there. Like, she seems a lovely lady with a lovely young man who's trying to, who's trying to, progress in life and they're the people that Susie should be there to support you know aye aye listen uh, you don't mind me giving out uh, your son's name do you Joan no Nathan no. Nathan needs to go to college Nathan's done all of yeah. the work he really does let's get Nathan to college and we're working on that now there's a procedure where, where Nathan had to give me and my office permission to work on his behalf which he's done and we're now on to Susie hopefully that they'll accept the affidavit and the application. But the other thing, Neil, the whole issue of college fees, expecting people to pay 3,000 euros, students, uh, at this day and age, like, they should have never been college fees, I believe, anyway. But, like, to expect people during the pandemic with all the issues of people not working on and COVID payments mm. and the pressure students are under, like... The days for expecting people to pay three thousand euros college fees, I don't think it's it's right, and it's something. Well, the the whole idea behind that is that those that can afford it should pay it, right, and those that can't should be helped. Well, you see, I tell you, Neil, every every individual and family are different, right? If you had a proper uh, tax, where people who the higher earners pay the fair amount of tax, every child, like no one, there should be no barriers to children going to college. And we're trying to encourage more. And that's the whole reason why the criteria is so black and white. Yeah, government yeah. and the department are trying to make sure they get in every penny they can get Oh, no, in. I would love I to see this one over the line. I really would. I mean, because yeah. this is he's done all of the work now. And if he doesn't get into college, it will impact on his career and the rest of his life chances, you know, his prospects. Well, and what we'll do, Neil, is uh, when we have a response back from, the, from Susie and hopefully... If it if if it doesn't go well, I'll take this to the dial. I'm in the dial tomorrow. Uh, I won't raise it tomorrow, but if it doesn't get resolved in the next week or so, I'll raise it with the minister up there 
And what we'll do is we'll come back to you and the show. And that we'll would be superb. That would be superb. Thank you so much, Thomas. Appreciate you taking an Thank interest you, in this case Robert. and your staff. Sloan Lash. So there you go, uh, Joan. Um, Thank you, Thomas. Let, let's That's see. He, he's going to he's going to work on that. Okay. Yeah. And, and uh, do stay in touch because I know an awful lot of people oh, will. will want to I know will. what happens and what the result is on this. You know. Yeah. I just want to say, Neil, it is a very grey area when it comes to you know getting evidence for. Pacific things, you know, I mean, years ago, you know, if you were a deserted wife, you know, it was kind of, that was the name you were given. You know, obviously that's gone now. Well, it went from desert. Yeah, we had real terms of, uh, you know, again, more more categorizing people in boxes. We had deserted wives, we had single mothers and, you know. Yeah. Unfortunately, the backlash of that is now you know, when you're filling, when you're ticking the boxes for separated or divorced or single or widowed, you know, there is no in-between now. What should that, what extra box should there be? Well, you know, th- there should be a box there to kind of stay other, you know, other circumstances at least where you can fill out so you're not caught up in all this legal, you know, kind of information. So what you did need. you tick in that? Where? What did you tick there? Well, I couldn't tick I was married because I, technically I am married, but I've been separated from him for, for over 10 years. Yeah. So separated is the only other box to tick. And I hate ticking it because I know... You know so you ticked time. separated and then when they looked for proof, you couldn't. That's it. What did you, That's it. Would getting an annulled work, no? Well, obviously now, Neil, in hindsight, you know, I didn't want to put my son in this predicament, you know, and now I realise I should have done it years ago. But you're busy bringing up your children. You're kind of, you know, out of sight, out of mind. You know, you're concentrating all your life into making sure that your children are happy. Ah, uh, we all dropped the ball. Don't worry about that. That yeah. happened. Don't worry about that. Okay, well, let's let's keep a close eye on it. Do stay in touch and Thank let's see so if much, they will deal Neil. with it on the basis of merit, okay? Thank you so much for your help. All Thank the best you. to you, jo- all the best to you, Joan, and also to your son, Nathan. And also, best of luck with the results. Tell him, all right? Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank back you. after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Marianne, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Did it's you find yourself... Un- Joan, yeah, similar scenario to you. Yeah, well, going back many, many years ago, right, um, like that, I was separated. The guy I married went off to London. We were married, right? He went off to London in the story. I had not seen him. Eventually, divorce started coming into play. I was like, okay, so because he was not in the country after seven years, I went in and got a divorce. Now, how old is that lady's child? Is that is I, he 18? I'm going to say 17 or 18, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, once that child is that, of that age, he's not a dependent anymore on, to, on his father. Right? Mm. There's no uh, land, property, money, whatever involved. So it's just straight down the lane. Cutting done. Mm. I went into the courthouse, Neil. Judge said to me, you know, blah, blah, blah. How old your son? This is the, my son's age. Um, no property, no money, no. No. Okay, done. Divorced. How long done. did that process done. take from start to finish? From start to finish, I think it took uh, about 
one year in total. Okay, and maybe you had a little bit less. You had solicitors maybe involved in all less. that. No, no. You did it yourself. No. Do you know now? You can yeah, you can do it yourself now. Yeah, you just go into the courthouse. It's a DIY job online. Okay, so she could start that process, no bother, she, for divorce. Not a problem. There's no problem there whatsoever. Yes, but in the short term, there's a problem with college, though, so, you know, just acknowledging that. Well, yes, of course, of course, the college, right. But I myself, personally, I didn't I didn't want anything. Um, I did everything. I went out working. You know, I'm a carer. I'm carrying on my life. Um, so... So after seven years, you were able to issue proceedings that resulted because in divorce. Because he was gone out of the country. Okay, okay. He was gone out of the country. And Did you have to prove that? I didn't know where he was, and I knew he's gone out of the country. Right, and the judge accepted I went to that his family. Yeah. I went to his family. I asked his family, where did he live, so that he could be served with the papers. They said they didn't know. That was it. I got that from his family. That was the end of it. No more. Mm-hmm. That was it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 as simple as ABC. I mean, there's hundreds of Irish people have did it online. It's interesting that DIY. after seven years, not knowing where your husband or wife is, yes. you can just go and get a divorce yes. yourself. It also begs the yes. question: how many people? How many people have walked out of marriages and nobody knows where they are? You but say that's that? it exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, going back when I was. A little younger, I suppose to say. Um, like, and he was young. They just got on a boat, went off to London. It was the cheapest way to go. You think so that happened? Do you think many happened. people did that? Oh, gosh, Neil, listen, come here. I have some friends there. And don't ask me why they won't get divorced. I can't understand it. They're hot, They're gone. They're just gone off the face of the earth. They don't know where they are. Their children don't even want to know them. And... I mean, go back, Neil, to the 80s. Do you know what I mean? You say a lot just got on the boat. And they just went off and that was the end of it. Wow. And nobody ever saw them since. Well, I can tell you, I know know two people, two friends of mine, and they have never heard or seen their husbands since then. And would there be children involved as well? Yeah, yeah. I wonder are they way off somewhere still alive wondering whatever became of their kids? But sure, I don't, at the end of the day, Neil, don't get me wrong when I say this, it's like men, and all men, right? But all, there's women as well out there that do it. I mean, I'm not just saying that it's men. Yeah, you don't hear it very it often, men. though, of a woman but abandoning her children, no. in fairness. No, no, definitely not, definitely not. But yes, there was quite a lot of it. My God, did they think about their children? No. There's a story to mine, actually, right? When I, when I left, when he left or whatever, when we broke up, we were three months married. That was it. End of. Gone. Out the door. Never went back together. Right? He went off, did his own thing. He went off to London. I heard nothing. I was at home one day, years after, there was a knock at my door. This guy knocked at my door and he gave me a box and I said, what's that? And he said, oh, sent that back for, you know, and I said, okay. So there was no address, just a box, right? But I was one of his friends. About a year after that, there was another present came. What was in the? I mean, I don't want to get anybody into any trouble here now, so no. I'm slow no, to no, ask no, questions. No, no, but no. what was in the box? Clothes for my son. Right. Okay. All right. 
right? Presents, right? From my ex-husband, right? And he used to send presents over to my son after a certain amount of years. But then all of a sudden, that totally stopped. Totally stopped. But the thing is, what I'm trying to get to is the guy that used to bring them, right? I never actually saw the guy that was driving the car, but just the guy that brought them in. But the guy that was driving the car to my house, maybe like for three three years, I ended up with that guy. Get away. Yeah, just met him one night and bang. I'm the guy who that drops off the presents. Yep, and I'm still with that guy happy today. Ever, happy ever after. Lovely story. <laughs> it was a lovely finish to the story at least. All right. There is. All right. I mean, there is, there is. Believe me, tell that lady, there is life after divorce. Great life after divorce. And you can divorce. And I think any solicitor should be able to tell her that. No, I, I think she will get that process in, in train. It's just the bloody Susie Grant now, which is worth thousands a year to the lad to do his engineering course in UCC. That's what we need to get over yeah, the well, line, you know, get Nathan to college. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Marion, it's lovely Neil talking to you. On, yeah, go sorry on. Sorry now, while I'm on the line, sorry about this. I'm not sure if you heard about it. I said it to your researcher this morning about the three statues out in Toronto. No. The three statues of Our Lady out in Toronto. And they were beheaded last night. Didn't see that story. Yeah, treat. I I've seen it. It uh, came up my my news. Um, that o- that o- that clearly upsets you, does it? Oh, treat. Listen, come here, Neil. Okay, it was black people, right? Okay, black lives matter. White lives matter. Yellow lives matter. It doesn't matter who they are. Yeah, I know, but everybody's yeah, life yeah. matters. Uh, but they behead three statues of Our Lady. That has nothing to do with Black Lives Matter. Beheading statues of Our no, Lady, though. Yeah, but that's what they did. That's what they did, and that's what it was about. Black Lives I Matter. Think, I think your researcher. I think your researcher. I haven't seen that story. That I mean, who says who says that, that that beheading statues of Our Lady has anything to do with the Black Lives Matter cause? It's a, it's on the your man is is talking about it on on his page. It. I, I think your researcher is actually Googling it right now. Let's have a look at it. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Neil. Cheers, Marion. Take care. We'll come back to that when we have an update with regards to Nathan and his mam, Joan. But just um, uh, my stepmom did it 40 years ago, walked out on her two kids, aged two and one, and was never seen since. We never had any contact nothing. Stepmother did it 40 years ago. Uh, you'd love to know the backstory to that as to what would drive somebody to walk out on a relationship or indeed walk out on two children. Father came home from work uh, and the kids had been just left alone. Never saw her again. Text 0868 uh, Megan, good morning. Morning, how are you? And this is a kind of a college related, uh, and again, it's all back to money, isn't it? Yes. What's your own scenario? Um, I'm going into my third year in college, but I'm only doing a level seven, so it's my last year. And the college hasn't even sent us an email to say what our timetable is, but they were pretty quick to say that they want the 3,000 from us. Um, but we don't, like, we got an email from our head of department, and they said they can only see us being in one day a week. So I emailed CIT asking why should we have to pay 3000 if it's only going to be one day a week? Good Yeah, good question. And they said that it's not up to them, it's up to the HEA. So it's I the Higher Education Authority. Yeah. yeah. So, I, so I emailed them the exact same thing asking why should we have to pay if we're not going to be using any of the facilities. And they said, they got back to me 
I'd say it was yesterday or the day before saying that it's been 3,000 euro since 2015 and um, mini tax. That was it. Yeah, whether you actually go to CIT or I suppose UCC for that matter, they call it blended learning, don't they? Yeah, they're calling it blended. What do you understand being, what is blended learning? It's going to be online tutors and lectures and then if you need to go up to a practical, that's what you'll be going up for. How often would you have to physically go in? They're saying one to two days a week. And you think that on that basis you should only pay a percentage of the fee? Yeah, I don't like. I'm not against paying half or just a little over half, but I don't see why we should have to pay the full if we're not even in the college. And is this a big topic of conversation for CIT and UCC students at the moment? Yeah, it is because it's. It just seems ridiculous that whether it's your parents' money or the students' money themselves, why should we have to pay out so much money if we're not in the college? Because we asked them and they said extra programs are being developed to support the students and there's a lot of costs involved in moving things online. I suppose what they're saying is you'll get the same education except most of it will be online and you have to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't understand how that would work because they're not even telling us that we're getting anything extra. They're just saying, oh, you have to pay this and we hope that we'll have the blended learning from the 21st to the 28th, depending on your year. Oh, I see. Yeah. So what are we going to do about this? I don't know. They don't, they say they absorb all the costs themselves. Uh, nobody's going to pick up the cost for them if they reduce the students' fees. They still have to pay all of their staff. They have to move it online. Um, yeah. And if they don't do that, they'll be, um, they'll get their, their grant and their money from the Higher Education Authority will be held back. Yeah. So, I don't know, I'm just not sure why, like, I understand that they, everyone needs to be paid and everyone needs their money, but I just don't see why you have to pay full, like, is there not a percentage that they can... You don't think that they, you don't think that it would be as, as beneficial or educational online, no? I, I don't. Personally, I did find it, it was fine, because I work remotely, like, I do enjoy working remotely from home, but I know all of my class found it very difficult to do. They were always complaining every day and all my friends were from different courses. It's not easier for some people. Okay, so an online course at CIT will cost the same as a physical turn up for classes and lectures course. Yeah. Uh, Although I do know people who were in college uh, over the recent years and they actually only had eight hours lecture a week. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the rest of it then was working at home. Yeah. I think it just depends because my course myself is engineering, so it is pretty hands-on. But other courses then might only be like a few hours in there and they wouldn't need that much. I know what you're saying. Okay, well, l- let me see if other people, if th- you're saying this is a big talking point at the moment with students in CIT and UCC and parents yeah. of same. Okay, all right. Let's get some more calls and thoughts on that. Thanks for now, Megan. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-810-4106. Red. FM. Atacan, good morning. Yep. Uh, good morning, Neil. How so are you? are you? So you're a UCC student. Yep. That's and is correct. it the, is it the same deal? Um, blended learning online, pay all the fees. Yeah, and that's correct. Like for me, I study. I have access to the Susie grant, so it doesn't actually impact me this tuition fees. But on a general point, I just wanted to make is that the students I know in my class that have to get. Um, student accommodation and they have to pay the fees and they were told straight away that without any, any communication from UCC or the president that they have to pay their accommodation fees for to access student accommodation and the, and 
they have to be expected to pay that yet we have no communication from our college to say when we're going to be like they said 28th of September we'll be back but then they told us first that we'll be registering on the 18th of August but then no all of a sudden we didn't get any communication what date are you back did you say I just want to make a note of this September what um the 28th of September. 28th of the month, okay. Because I, I read somewhere last week, I think it was in the Examiner, it might have been the Echo, that uh, the college were telling students, don't be booking accommodation all that quickly because we don't know, you know when you'll be back or how long you'll be back for. Yeah, um, yeah, I know that um, the Students' Union, uh, yeah, the president said that, the, of the Students' Union said to not be booking accommodation because, like, rightfully so, he did say that because, like, we still don't know when we're going to be back and, like, there's been no communication from the president. Like, the pr- communication we've had is just that uh, at the start was that we'd be registering on the 18th of August. And since then, we've had nothing. And all of a sudden, they changed it to the September the 14th. And even like my own department, now I study uh, BSc government and politics. I had to email my own department for them to email me back to tell me what was going to go be happening for the year. Like, blended learning, you know, with classes staggered classes like you'll be in class one day then the next day you'll be learning online at home and sometimes if it's possible the classes will be held outside in campus so what can we do like this this there'll be carnage otherwise at the back end of the month with all secondary schools back cit back all of the college it's like there'll be thirty thousand people up in ucc otherwise oh yeah absolutely like there's going to be as you said it's going to be carnage now and like as it is, the bus, bus air and CIE buses are at full capacity as it is. And with like social distancing in place, they'll be at complete full p- capacity. And as it is, we haven't got enough buses. And when and it tie into college, like the college, we still have, don't really, they don't even, I don't think, really know themselves what's going to be happening. So this will be the year, um, okay, you get a Susie grant, so your fees are covered, but many yeah. families don't. And some kids actually, some students pay their own way and I've spoken to those on the air with part-time jobs but by and large is parents so a lot of parents now would be forking out uh, 3,200 euro I think it is um, this year because of COVID-19 it will be what they call blended learning online from home uh, I'm wondering are many many parents upset about that or do they feel shortchanged you know or you know should it be a reduced fee but at the end of the yeah. day UCC is a business you know? Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, you you do make a point that the problem we have, the inherent problem that we have in Ireland is that we treat colleges like we give them their own autonomous powers and that at the same time, I can understand the president or the college themselves complaining that we haven't had enough funding from the government. Like, I think it's the Castles report or something that it was recommending more funding on higher education for colleges, including UCC. Okay, well, I, w- I won't get into that. I need to keep the ball on the ground on this one. And, right. and like, what, just let me recap on what you said. The college is saying you have to book and pay for your college accommodation. Yeah. And also pay your fees now. Yeah. Well, like, fees at the moment, they've, they've, we still have, we have to wait to register to pay them because we actually can't re- pay the fees until we register. But you, can you pay the fees and not book the accommodation? I don't. I'm not sure on that one. No, but I don't. I think. I don't think that would be the case. You probably have to pay the fees, as you said. But why would you have to have college accommodation if you were go, if you were learning from home? See that that's 
the issue now I have that they still aren't really saying it uh, like explicitly explaining to us what's going to be happening because some people like need college accommodation and as you said if we're learning from home then there's no need for college accommodation like the students in my class now they'd be from some from county down some from oh they need accommodation yeah so they'd be paying student accommodation even though they're learning online yeah and like the problem is now like we don't know how much it's going to be online like it's okay to say it's going to be blended learning but we need to be given clear clarity on what days it's going to be online what days is it going to be in college and what days if possible are we going to be like on campus learning like there's none of that from the I know it's very confusing I have another per- yeah. I have another caller here now who's talking about 10 grand in fees for blended learning yeah. it seems very unfair um, yeah. I know bearing in mind that we're in extraordinary times I'll come back to it after 10 but Atikan thank you so much for your call alright yeah. Yeah, thank you Appreciate very much. It. Just a fast email on an unrelated issue. I mentioned there that 275,000 people flew out of Ireland in the month of August. It was up like nearly 200,000 people flying out of the country on the month before July. Um, so this is an interesting email with that in perspective. Uh, I recently travelled to and from London Stansted uh, from Cork. I'm a resident in Ireland, but I'm a British citizen. I travelled for family reasons. I'm now into my 14 days of restricted movement back here in Cork. I am in no way an I isolated incident and one of the 20 plus Irish citizens that I know who live in the UK all have returned to Ireland at some point over the course of the summer. Anyway, there were 21 people on my flight heading to London Stansted and around 35 people on my flight back to Cork. There was very little evidence that anyone on the flights was a holidaymaker. Everyone pretty much fell into one of three categories. Irish citizens who live abroad, returning to or arriving in Ireland. Overseas nationals who are resident in Ireland that were travelling to and from their country of citizenship and people travelling for work. Both flights were amongst the easiest, safest and stress-free experiences that I've ever had from either Stansted or Cork. And I'm a frequent traveller through both airports before the pandemic. There was a large part, this was in large part due to low passenger numbers and had the planes been fuller, my experience would have been different. The only part of the journey that I found disorganised was the passenger locator forms that needed to be filled in and submitted on arriving arrival in Cork. It would be very fair to call it shambolic. Now, this may well have been improved because as I write the email online, the version has just been introduced online. When I landed in Cork, everybody was submitted the paper forms. Now, I had mine printed and completed in advance of me touching down, but I was the exception. A member of staff hands out the forms as you enter the terminal, and then you need to stop at one of the small tables that have been set up as you walk towards passport control. You get a bottleneck of people then who are trying to crowd around the tables, and worst of all are sharing the pens and pencils. It just felt like an afterthought. I dread to think how much worse it would be if the planes were busier. I was in a bowling alley in the UK last week that was better organised when it came to filling forms and dispensing single-use pencils. It was a million times safer in the bowling alley. That's not much of a surprise to me, though, as the whole, on the whole, I found retail, leisure, restaurants and pubs to be much better organised and much safer in the UK than in Ireland. I'm pretty sure all my Irish friends who've experienced the pandemic and restrictions of both countries would say the same. UK, better than Ireland. It hurts me to say this as I was genuinely a little bit smug earlier in the year as to how better Ireland was handling COVID. That smugness is now gone. It's fair to say that the rules are overly complicated here when it comes to pubs and restaurants, unlike the UK. A strong rule should be easy to describe in a sentence. Good luck to anyone trying to understand the rules surrounding restaurants in Ireland. 
you must order food if you order a drink the food must cost 9 euro you can't stay longer than 105 minutes masks must, must be worn if you're not at the table I might even have got someone that wrong in the UK publicans and restaurant owners seem to be able to concentrate on masks distancing sanitising and using phone apps for table service simple as these are just my thoughts I feel the fears of Ireland being overrun by tourists are completely unjustified um, says Greg and that's an edited version of his email that's all very well but why did it go from 75,000 leaving the country in July to 275,000 leaving the country in August The Neil Prenderville Show with Tesco save time and shop online simply log on to tesco.ie Okay from uh, yesterday's programme with the carry on in Killarney Saturday night into Sunday morning you had a caller on the air saying that the behaviour in Killarney on Saturday night was a once off well that is just rubbish we were in Killarney uh, for one Thursday night in July with our kids we were walking home to the hotel around 10pm there were queues outside bars there were gangs of teens and young adults on the street drinking and eating from pizza boxes. We were really shocked and horrified as bars serving food had only been open a few weeks and we had not seen the behaviour anywhere else like for instance in West Cork or indeed time we spelt in Clare during staycations. Uh, This is not new from what we saw in Killarney. Something needs to be done about it. To suggest the guards came and cleared the scene within 10 minutes is a joke with the carry on at the weekend. How did it even get to that point in the first place? I'm so angry, particularly when I hear somebody say that it was a one-off. It wasn't. Uh, morning, we were in Killarney on Sunday. All shops were checking if people were wearing masks. We had a lovely meal at Kate Carney's Cottage. The staff were wearing masks and our names and numbers were taken. I would highly recommend it. Well, you heard in the news there this morning uh, that there are new on-the-spot fines now that will be handed out if you're not wearing face coverings. So the fine will be anything between 20 and a hundred euro if people break the rule and the public health rules. I mean, why is there a difference? Why isn't it 20 or a hundred? Why is it between 20 and a hundred? Maybe it's 20 if you pay up and a hundred if you give cheek. Um, now, that won't include house parties though or people gathering indoors um, because apparently they can't do anything about that which is probably a good thing, really, with regards to civil liberties. Do you want guards coming in your front door? Uh, but anyway, so that's the latest one. It used to be uh, a suggestion there was going to be a €1,500 Euro fine, and then nobody took it seriously, because they were kind of saying, yeah, I know, right, €1,500. Euro. But 20 to 100 I can see them imposing those as to whether you pay up or not, I don't know. But what do you make of all of that carry-on? Text 0868104106. Morning, Neil. I was up with the girls on, in Cork on Saturday. Uh, it is set up so well with regards to social distancing and rules in Cork. Although a few of us went home after the pub, a few did ha- carry on to a house party. The girls that went to the house party mentioned how being in the pub is so much safer. At the party, you see, they were drinking from each other's glasses and they were all up on top of each other. Whereas with pubs now, you're being seated at the tables and it's much safer going out just a group of you uh, for the one night. Yeah, that's the problem with house parties, of course. Four of us went to Kirby's in Ballinhasig on Saturday night. The place was running in a fantastic way with all the COVID measures in place. All the staff were wearing face masks, very efficient and friendly, food excellent. We had a very enjoyable and safe time. Uh, As regards the other pubs being allowed to open, I disagree. They've been opened up week, they'd have been opened up weeks ago. Um, Sorry, they have been opened up weeks ago. I'm living in Carrigaline with a population of 20,000 and only one pub is open while the off-license and supermarkets clean up on drink sales, says Pat. Uh, sorry about that. I don't, I don't follow that either. As regards to the other pubs being allowed to open, I, I'd agree, I'd, oh, I'd agree with this. Uh, they'd have been opened up weeks ago. Um, 
I hope you can follow that text. I just wanted to make a comment on how unjust it is for small pubs not being allowed to reopen and people losing their livelihoods and elderly people losing the company of others who may not be lucky enough to have relatives calling. I was in a pub yesterday, this would have been Sunday, and I was never asked for a contact number and the staff weren't wearing masks. I went in through the area and the majority of customers were standing around just drinking. Large numbers of people were also in the outside area with gangs sitting at tables. Was def- this was definitely not a premises that was taking the restrictions seriously, I can tell you, and even worried about, I even worried about the safety of the staff and customers. Needless to say, we left immediately. You see, what I wonder about something like that is, the guards are calling into pubs and they're going in and playing clothes. Like, so surely be to God, they're seeing that. A positive note, we went into the city centre at the weekend, Friday night, for a few food, for a few drinks and food to Reardon's. Must compliment them on everything. The staff were excellent. We had 105 minutes, which was fine. As we got up to leave at 10 p.m., we were offered another table as that table was not booked after us. We availed and left when the nights came on at 11 p.m. Well done to all at Reardon's Bar. <laughs> You're saying thanks to Reardon's. But after your 105 minutes were up, they moved you to another table. Um, uh, there you go. I was in a bar in Cork at the weekend. I had the breakfast and two pints. I tried to order a third pint and I was told, sorry, you've stayed over your 105 minutes. I can't serve you the pint. But at the same time, locals were at the bar counter drinking pints with no food. Uh, And they were there before I got there and they were there after I was asked to leave. Still sinking pints. I'm sure, I'm sure that annoyed you. It just must have done. Anyway, there's lots more like that. I will come back to them in a few minutes time. Shauna, good morning. I'm good. How are you though with the worry of ten grand hanging over your head? I know, it's the joys of it. Like I knew I know with masters and whatnot they're always gonna be a massive expense, but like I do like I don't expect like I'm in UCC and I all college in Ireland, I do not expect any college to just cut the cost massively off ease because you just it's just you can't do it. However, I do think they should take even a small percentage off because I everyone's circumstances are different. Like I'm trying to get Susie now as well, but like normally with me in summertime, I get a full-time job. Like, I work already part-time. I pick up another job and I save and that goes towards my fees. This year, I handed out over 25 CVs during COVID and I did not hear of one person. Did you actually, you know, I'm cu- always curious about this. Did you walk into the premises with the CV? Not, no, not with COVID. Normally I would, but... So you just email them, is it? Email, yes. I went online and tried to find any advertising job they had. Like, I'm not picky. I would have taken anything and everything. Like, I worked as a bartender, waitress, daily, I've done everything. So I would have taken whatever. And what was your fear? Like, you could have gone into the restaurant or the pub or whatever, the retail outlet with a mask on. Is it the physical aspect of handing over a sheet, is it? I think so, yeah. That's because, like, even now, like, like I'd be on placement. And we know, like, if you're handing out, you can't just walk over and hand someone a piece of paper and look at it. Everything you do know, you think about it. But even at that, that was the early days. Like, that's when... I remember when you know, they said about shopping, that if you went into Dunn's or Soup Valley or whatever, that if you brought out your shopping, you'd leave it on a table for an hour. I know, but we, we knocked that on the head. I know, I know that changed now, but that was that time. So I was, if I was hearing that, I was a bit apprehensive to walk into a pub and be like, here you go, take it away. So I, I emailed them, but like, I got no, no luck, basically. Like I was still working part-time. Yeah, I know. I know. I know it's a very interesting I, point that a lot of people have been knocked back for part-time work because of all of this and they might have been supplementing their own college education. So you would have had three or four years of the three grand and then for the master's it goes up to ten. Yeah, so actually what I did, I did a bachelor's first and I paid the, the three grand over for each term and then I did a, a higher diploma that was six grand. Right. And then I'm doing a master's this year so that's ten grand. And who pays year, all that? 
Uh, well, I got help off my father and my mother uh, for the bachelors. And then last year, I, they had to help me because the circumstances, I actually just couldn't do it. But this year, I'm I'm going solo. So I'm I'm trying to get my loan out now with a student loan. And hopefully, I'll get Tuesday. Um, either or, I'll figure it out. It'll be fine. But it's just the fact that... I the circumstances are so changed with blended learning and most of it online. You yeah. guys feel there should be a reduction for all of that. Yeah, that's a small bit. Just, like, my biggest factor is the fact that I know when I was in college... Like, if you're in a lecture, you're sitting there. Lecturers always say, come in, attendance is massively important because you learn a lot more in front of us than being at home. I know. I had to do lectures at home at the start of COVID. I wasn't listening to one thing they were saying. Like, it wasn't going in. I, I was know. just in my own world. And, like, like I, obviously we have to work. Some like, people need the dis- discipline of turning up. Exactly. And, like, I understand you can't just say, okay, take off three grand for that. That's ridiculous. But it's just, my biggest factor is how the lectures are going to, like all the money we're giving, how are they going to be able to give us the help that we need and deserve? Like, well, I can't talk, I know that, I know, on an individual basis online, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, the physical presence is always much better than the than kind of a viral aspect. But I, I don't know about other universities, but I certainly yeah. know about UCC. They are a huge generator of profits for the college. They are probably, I would think, one of the most profitable businesses in Cork. Massive. Like, yeah. they're, it's massive. And like, I just, I don't know, I feel like even so, if they don't cut the fees, I feel like they should at least, like, I'd actually like, because it's the first time I've actually thought about it, I'd like to know where my fees are going. Like, what's the actual money going towards? Like, if they told me, okay, look, we can't cut fees before this reason, here's everything it's going towards. I'd be like, okay, I can see it. I know, but you have to bear in mind in their defence that they don't have overseas students coming this year paying top, top dollar, you see. Well, I get that. I get that too. And I know, like, in the day, you have to, the college has to function. And you can't just say, okay, everyone, every student now, take off a couple of grand I'd even if they say they'd, I'd be happy if they said look here it's 500 euro off your fees I'd be like that's fantastic I'd be happy with that just yeah. some, some some sort of reduction that we could go okay they're thinking about number one student well-being and two the fact that they understand everyone's circumstances it's recognising that you know people are in a different situation will you be will you take out a 10 grand loan do you think um, more than likely because I don't know if anyone have any luck with Susie as well because they're just they're not doing me any favours this year I don't think either unfortunately like I've I've been, I've been ringing them I, the minute the application's opened I put my thing in straight away and I've just been getting the same kind of responses back forth like I, to me I should be getting it but like end of the day it's up to them they have to decide themselves and a but, lot of the time those decisions are very late yeah that's the thing see like I'm starting back in college next week like I'm in on the, the 7th I actually start because the master's students go back earlier Um so like, I was able to get help with paying because you do, you, ha- like, you have to pay to register. If you don't register, you can't come in. How you have, have you, How have good luck with that, how have you coped <laughs> over the last five or six months with uh, a lot less social activity? Meeting with your uh, friends, going for a few jars, bit of a party, bit of a boogie. I think it's tired. I think, to be honest, I, I actually don't miss the pubs per se. I actually just miss the ease of seeing friends and not having to worry and even... Like, when you're in college, like, you are working. Like, I worked so hard last year. Like, I, I graduated last year with the first. So, like, well so much to me, I was like, I can't wait now to do go to festivals, see my mates, you know, just go, like, little holidays and even see your family and not have to think twice about it. Had so, you like, a holiday so planned overseas with your buddies? Uh, well, we hadn't booked, but we were going to go to either Greece or Turkey this year because my friend has a, they always go to Turkey every year. We kind of, kind of made a little tradition out of it that we kind of go over now. But, 
But that's the, that's the end of the day. So all that rite of passage was taken away from you. I'm just because, and then we saw we saw the stuff then in Killarney at the weekend. Many of those could yeah. well have been college students cutting loose. You yeah, know, it's true. you know, they normally would be going to festivals and they normally would be on overseas holidays. And it is, but know. like that's just the way things are. Like I was, I got at the start, I was kind of frustrated about it, but then after two months or so, I was like, look, it doesn't matter. End of the day, like. Greece and Turkey will be there next year if things are okay. So you just have to take it for what it is. It'd be a lot happier knowing that people are safe than thinking, oh, I, I can't, like, as much as I'd love to go on to festival this year, that's just the way it is. You can't do anything about it. I'd be a lot happier knowing that it wasn't on than knowing that thousands of students and young people, whatever, are going to be going to picnic and going to, that's right. I don't yeah. know, yeah. I, like, I normally go to Creamfields, but like coming back then on a plane and everything, you, you can't do that. It's, I know, I know. It's selfish. I know. What are you doing in college? Uh, I'm doing a master's in teaching, secondary school teaching. All right, okay. So uh, even that's going to be changed when you go back and when you start Absolutely. teaching, you know. Hang on Absolutely. a second there, we'll get some more calls on this. Don't go anywhere. Susan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, what's on your mind? God, I'm sick of it, seriously. If she doesn't want to pay the fee, just don't go to college. I can guarantee you whatever she's studying for, when she comes out, she'll have no problem paying and charging us full whack. No, in a second, teachers don't make huge money, like, you know, if she, there's an awful lot, an awful lot of other things you can do in college that would put an extra zero on your salary. Oh God, I wish I could afford that. I mean, all all, all students, all students are asking for, in their defence, is a reduction in fees because they're not going... We all want a reduction. People who worked through the pandemic got nothing. No tax break, no nothing. People want money towards childcare, money towards dental, money towards everything. Like, where does this money come from? Well, how would you, how would you feel, how would you feel if you're, if you say, did have a job, right? And all of a sudden you were being told, um, oh, okay, uh, we're not going to pay you full salary anymore because you're working from home. We're only give you 75% or 50% of your wages. I've got a choice like that, lady. I don't have to go to work. I can go find a job somewhere else that will pay me the proper money. We all have choices, Neil. But I mean, nobody can pay for them. We have to pay for them ourselves. But colleges are asking people to pay full fees, three grand or ten grand for a master's, even though they're saying you must learn at home. Sure, that can't be fair. But sure, they have to pay all the lecturers, the teachers. They have to pay for everything. Insurance on the campus. All their bills haven't gone away either. This is reality. I mean, I'm sorry. You go down by UCC, they can't even cross the road. When the red map comes up, they're all out in the road. And these are going to be lawyers, doctors, politicians. Ah, yeah, give them a break, though. Like, they'll get, reality. They'll no, get those kind of... They'll, they'll get sense as, as time goes on. Right now, they're studying. No, I don't. The only sense they get is they've built us well enough for everything they learn down there. They've terrorised neighbours and uh, people living around college. And not Shauna hasn't, t- hasn't terrorised anybody. No, I like I'm actually, I'm actually the, uh, I, I don't, like, you can't paint everyone the same brush. Like I do, I do agree what you're saying. I do agree that. But my thing on is, if they're going to then pay, like expect students to pay full fees, which they're going to, that's the reality of it as well. But I would even just like to know where it's going then as a result. Like, you know, that's my biggest question is, okay, the blended learning, bring it in, have to do it. That's the reality of it. But where is the money going then? I just want to know, like, well, I'm all, paying this much if money. You, if you... If you knew, like, all businesses with UCC, obviously it's not a charity. They're registered with the company registration office and everybody has to return finances, which are publicly available. So you can go and look and their insurance probably costs the the same, if not more than last year. Their heating, maintenance. No, surely heating won't be the same. Like, people won't be... 
Yeah, because like they leave all the books rot to death and the paintings and the clocksmen. Yeah, they, everything still costs the same. There is no savings, seriously. You have a bee in your bonnet against students per se, do you? No, I don't. I'm people who just expect everything for nothing or less. Seriously, I, literally I pay expect full whack for everything. <laughs> and I, I'm not looking for no break. I just get on with it. What do you say to That's that, Jonah? Put up or shut up. If you can't pay the fees, don't go. Well, no, I agree with that as well. But at the same time, I also do work. Like, I've I worked for, since I was 15 years old. Like, I'm not a lazy person that expects anything to hand it to them. That's why I'm going to college. I actually want to get a good job and pay my way in life. But it's just, I just think with the circumstances, I look at some of my friends who, like, their mental health has been really, as a lot of people have as well, has been really tarnished during this. And financial fees are really going to impend on that. So, like, it's just giving students some sort of leeway that will leave them still progress why not going to really badly affect them financially? Well, and it's actually, it's, it's a claim that you're not getting the same product, so you shouldn't have to pay the same amount. H- hold on there, Louise. Hi, Neil, how are you? Okay, you want to know, is Susan a real person, is it? No, I wouldn't be picking up UCC, Neil. Talking about their insurance bills and their, and their heating bills and this and that and the other. Do you know what I mean? UCC, plenty of money. Plenty of money. Tis the likes of the, the students paying the fees is the problem. Yeah, um, but what Susan is saying is, if we can't afford things, we shouldn't be we shouldn't buy them. And well, that, hang on a second. that would include, I think. My do you believe son. Susan? That would include a college education, is it? My well, son. everything. I mean, look, everything costs money. People, businesses are there to make profits. They're not there to bail us out and this, that, and the other. I mean, they might have money, but look, they've had huge insurance. I don't work for UCC, and I'm not per se for UCC. But look. It's, it's across the board, every industry. We're being ripped off by the car motor industry, but we all pay it. We have to pay it because we want to drive. That's just a reality that seems to be here. And unfortunately, and look, people with... But the motor, industry, the motor industry gave people a few bob back because there was less, <laughs> there was less crashes 30, on the road. 45 years... 30 pieces of silver. Yeah, but it was so, but, but they're only looking, but they're only looking for a gesture. But anyway, what, anyway let me, what, what's on your mind, Louise? Well, Neil, my son is going to CIT and his fees are 3,000 euros still, three and a half, I think, and he's studying from home. But he actually has no problem with that. But what I'm saying is... And do you have any problem with it? Um, do you know, I'm a bit on the fence at the moment because it's all, it's all online, right? But maybe it should have been a bit cheaper. Now, when I asked my son why it was still the same price, he said because it's the modules you're paying for. Well, whatever that means. Anyway, it is the same. They're not reducing. The modules we say are the subjects, right? Like that's what you pay for. You pay. Is part and what? Of and what is your fear? You're petrified about coronavirus, is it? That you bring it home? Yeah, like they don't. Yeah, because he had digs and all sorted out, but he decided just to stay at home because it's all online from home. So, are they still going to get the same results? I wonder. Don't know. Question. Some people no, need to turn not- up. I don't know. Yeah, that's it, you see. But he's not looking, like, for money off and he's not looking for nothing for nothing, we'll say. But, like, it's hard. It's going to be different for them in a very bad way, I think, because it's all going to be online. Like, he's not going to meet a lecturer. Like, if he needs help with some subject, 
like what's their backup plan there? I know, know some people I mean? need you need the discipline of getting up in the morning and going to work, I suppose. You some do, people, yeah. you do. Yeah. No, he's at buying a desk and everything, so he's he's ready to rock from home. But you know, I think like what if what if they need help with their economic subject or some very tough subject? Is somebody going to meet him and go go through with him? I know, I know. Is someone going to offer help to any any of the other students? No. In fairness, I think that girl you were done before me, Shauna, she made a very, very good points, you know. But, um, so, I don't know, it's just going to be way different. And actually, as a matter of fact, my son went back to primary school last week and he was there Thursday and Friday and he came out of school sick on Friday when he hadn't been sick for six months. And what's, what's wrong with him? Has he got a headache or a temperature or coughing or what? He, no, he, he came out with a cough and runny nose and his chest is out of playing up again. And what are you doing about that? Six months. He's at home. He's at home now, since since yesterday. So, that's it. Was he at the doctor or anything? He, uh, yeah, I have a doctor's appointment for later. All right, okay. Then the doctor so will check crazy. him out and probably and test him for COVID-19. Yeah. No, well, he hasn't a temperature. He, he has a high temperature. All right, okay. But, like, it's just the fact that they went back to school and he's home sick already. Thanks a lot for that. Appreciate it. Thank you all. Thank you, Louise. Thank you, Susan. And uh, also to our first caller on that one, Shauna. Actually, it'll be, it'll be very, very confusing when we, because we're heading into back end of autumn and into spring, into winter. And of course, the flu will be back. Won't it be very confusing as to whether somebody has the flu or somebody has COVID-19? I mean, there's going to be all sorts of chaos because of that alone. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Text 86 With regards to your program yesterday with food being ordered and left on tables, all food is now being left as leftover, thrown out and not eaten. Can pubs not have a deal with the likes of Penny Dinners? Will allow people to give the nine euro to Penny Dinners or the food to them perhaps instead. The rule that food must be bought in a pub and you're saying that people don't even eat it is a joke. A lot of the money could be raised for charity if they work with penny dinners. Would that ever fly? You would pay nine euro not taking the food and instead it would be given to a charity. I doubt it. I drive through the Grand Parade every evening at about 7pm and every evening it's getting busier and busier every time I pass through. Last night, this would have been Sunday night, it was packed full of people, many of whom were already drunk no social distancing but here to whatsoever on the Grand Parade. I can't imagine how it was by half past 11 at night. My point is, it's not just Killarney doing this carry-on. We're all headed back to lockdown, I'd say. I suppose the difference was, different was we didn't get a video of um, the, the, the area around, you're saying maybe from uh, Hillbillies over to Electric, that kind of area. Will you ever shut up? Okay. Everyone who's complaining of the pubs and young people parting are just nags. You were all young once as well and did stuff like that when you were younger. Stop acting so innocent and leave the youngsters enjoy themselves. People should worry about themselves and their own social distancing and you'll be fine. It's an interesting perspective on things. Um, I suppose at one stage everybody was young and partied, but maybe the circumstances were different. Why is Ireland the only country in the whole of Europe with the pubs closed? I don't get it. I'm not for one for going out every weekend or weekdays even, but I understand. There are people like the older generation who like to have a couple of pints. I don't understand it. The whole of Europe is opened up. Thank you for those texts to 0868104106 and we'll come back to those and lots more besides. But to the phone lines we go again. Patricia, good morning. Hi Neil, how are you? Uh, your son, is he in UCC or CIT or where is he? He's in UCC. He's and a second year postgrad med student. And they're back, are they? Uh, they were back on the 24th of August, um, just for three hours. 
three hours in the day or three hours in the week? No, just three hours in that week completely. He has no college at all now this week. And is that, that's not normal, is it? Uh, oh no, he would have had full days every week. So for three hours a week, he's paying 15 grand in fees? 15,000, yeah. 15,000. He was told that all of his work will be uploaded now online. Um, last year he would have had a lot of hands-on. Uh, he would have been in a lab and that and they would have done a lot uh, working with Godivas and that. But there's none of that now this year at the moment. And was there supposed to be a physical aspect to his academia this oh, year? They would. Oh, yes, they would. They how would. do you, they how would. do you, how do people feel about that? Um, oh. I mean, for a start, even before he did his exams this year, um, they were off from March. He didn't do his exams until May. Um, I think he found it very stressful being at home. Um, he would have had, wouldn't have had the camaraderie of others as well. And he, I think he found he finds co- to be in college a lot better than being at home because the social aspect of it as well and also that they're all together and all edging each other on and that yes, but yeah. definitely he finds it harder at home. But you're being told or he has been told it says here that he'll have two hours in college a week and the rest of it uh, will be all online. Well that's my other son he's doing BAS he's going into a second year and he'll have two hours a week and whereas my older son will at the moment had three hours last week and nothing now from here on just online unless something will come up in the next few weeks. And that annoys you, right? Um, well, they're not using anything in the college. They're not using electricity. They're not using heat. Now, the library is open from 9 to 5, but half of the library is closed because of social distancing. So you actually have to book your time in the library. And you're, you're allotted a certain amount of but time. But he'd have had full weeks. A full, oh, full week. every yeah. day. Yeah. Every single day he would have gone in at 9, would not have finished until 4. See, I, I like it. Wouldn't you think that some kind of reduction, even you know, even some token reduction would be... Yeah, uh, yeah. even 500 euros, 1,000 euros, even something that would go towards something else. Um, no, nothing. They were told there'll be no reduction in any fees. So you just got to pay up. I wonder will, yeah. will, what will happen when it comes to exam time. Will the will exams be marked easier, I wonder, because of the changed circumstances? Well, I think this year they did say to them they would be a bit easier on them. And apparently first year in postcard medicine, what they do is they do it over four years. And the first year, they put two years into one in the first year. So it's a lot harder in the first year. Um, no, they did mark a little bit easier this year. They did say to them it will be a bit easier, but well, how it will turn out in the coming year, I don't know. Yeah. Now, he has placement as well. In After Christmas, he has 10 weeks of placement either in a GP surgery or a hospital, or both, as far as I know. Yeah. So yeah. that's the plan at the moment. How it will, will it turn out to be like that or will it all be cancelled or... I don't know. Who knows? But if he can't no. get the placement, he can't proceed with his course, can he? Because it's part no. of the course. No, exactly. So and very uncertain very times and very on. worrying times, yeah. yeah? Yeah, of course, of course. And okay. he's paying 15000 and all that has to be repaid when he qualifies. When he qualifies? Is that by way of a loan, is it? It is. It's a loan. It's yeah. a four-year loan, oh, which is 60000 and which will eventually be ninety on repayment. My God, big money, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely, but what he always wanted to do, so 
you know. Okay, and you are another parent that also believes there should be a reduction in oh, fees. Oh, definitely, it should be a reduction because they're not using the facilities at all. All yes. right, thank you for that. Thank you, Patricia. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Lots more calls and emails. You were talking about uh, addiction issues, and we were making the point that sometimes we need to look at the story as opposed to the addict. Big response to that, and we Neve's conversation on air about her brother yesterday, and there's some lovely texts on that as well. I was with my ex-partner for 13 years. He was a binge alcoholic, a binge alcoholic, and he was also very abusive to me and our three kids physically and mentally. He then went on to become a heroin addict, and the drinking stopped. He sold and spent everything that we as a family ever had. My kids had barely anything every birthday, Christmas, because he spent everything. We had nothing. He ended up in prison, and that was my getaway. Uh, I could never take him back. I have a new partner and two more boys. Life is great for me now. Um, thank you for that, Sarah. You, okay, I understand that like you're in a much better place yourself, and it's important that you are. And ultimately, it's about your life and your happiness and the happiness of your sons. Um, do you do you forgive him? Do you understand where he was with regards to the alcoholism and the heroin addiction? Um, interesting to hear about that. I'm listening to your show and decided to drop an email in relation to the incident of partying during this pandemic. What I don't understand is why there's not a push on personal responsibility for one's behaviour. People are out having parties and the response is that the government are taking the wrong approach with the pubs and questions as to whether this would be happening if the pubs and clubs were open. You're asking those questions yourself, Neil. At what point, though, do we start holding people accountable for their own behaviour? The narrative to date with this pandemic is blaming Nefet, blaming the government for the things that aren't working. We've been given the health advice. We've become a babysitting nation whereby we need to be continually told to do these things. I think it's very easy for everyone to shirk their own responsibility. We live in a culture of blame the government. But I don't need our government to wash my hands adhere to cough etiquette or socially distanced to the best of my ability. All of those factors are within my control. My behaviour will decide. Also, for those who talk of scaremongering, while I hope saving lives is the ultimate priority, has everyone forgotten that another major reason to flatten the curve is to prevent our ill-equipped health system from becoming overwhelmed? I'm sure giving out about the government won't be much good to you if you're stuck in a hospital waiting for hours on end for a service if this situation does hit the fan. I wonder would these parties be happening if those in attendance were documented and given a criminal charge? No court, no wasting time like that. Essentially, just give them automatically a criminal record. Would that not come back to bite them in the ass when they're looking to go to work uh, down the line, especially if they have to be guard vetted? Reckless behaviour, irresponsible behaviour during a health emergency must not be tolerated. It is only when people take the attitude that they are responsible for their behaviour and commit to acting responsibly that I believe we will truly get a grip on this virus, says John by email to neil at redfm.ie. Um, and then we had lots then with regards to people who are living um, in awful situations with regards to uh, their living conditions and uh, the rent they're paying. I imagine that rent really should start to tumble now because there'll be a lot more properties available. So you should see that reflected in rent. Myself and my partner have been renting the current house we're in for seven years. We're very quiet we keep to ourselves. We've never missed rent. House is always well maintained. In February, the landlord said he was knocking the shed out in the back garden. And I said, will you be putting up another one to replace the old one? My tools, garden furniture, all inside. He says, I'll put a small shed in the corner. He was doing this because he wanted to build a granny flat and rent it out. That was in February. 
Um, I've never had any issue previously with the landlord. After lockdown, next day, digging. No notice, cement trucks, builder suppliers, skips, everything arrive. It was like a building site, no one wearing any mask. He chose not to wear one now, even when speaking to him. I own my own business and I've only one day off, or maybe two at the most. My partner works nights. This landlord has become extremely difficult to engage with. I've asked him numerous occasions if he could possibly come maybe three days a week. He says, I can come any day. It's my house. My partner works 12-hour night shifts. The landlord's aware of this. They come every morning at half past eight, uh, sometimes nine, um, and they come for a half day on Sunday. Can't have a shower in the morning because he's there. It's facing the back garden. My partner can't sleep, so she's now staying in the parents' house. This is very stressful. He never built another shed. All my tools and garden furniture were left out in the back. Can't have my breakfast in peace. It's going on for four months and will go on for another two months. He's doing all the work himself and it's become a total nightmare. At this stage, we're trying to find a new place. Any advice? Anybody been through a scenario like this? I'd like to stay anonymous because I'm worried if he finds out he'd throw us out. It's starting to affect my mental health and I'm not sure if I can deal with it much longer. I'll be buying my own house and I'll have to wait at least two more years though for that. I'm very sad, very upset and very worried and concerned. Uh, that's amazing, isn't it? That, you know, you're renting the house. It's the back garden that comes with the rental of your house. And all of a sudden he's in there uh, building a granny flat. Um, I, I'm not so sure that that's permissible, really, for you as a tenant. You should most definitely get in touch with Threshold. I don't know whether you've done that or not. I'm assuming that the landlord is registered um, with um, the uh, PRTB. That'd be my first part to qualify with you threshold and see how you go with that. Leela, good morning. Or is it Leila? My apologies. Hi, how are you? Leela or Leila? Leila. Okay, okay. Now, again, this is education related, but not the learning part of it. So pick up the story yourself. You said you've, you've wanted to email or put pen to paper for a long time. Why? Um, it's about kids' lunches, especially the primary schools. Um, the system here is like you, you make your own kids lunch and give them like sandwich or something like that. And then people complain that kids are overweight and stuff. Um, I think that's the problem. If kids would get like proper lunch in school, like a warm, like potatoes with something or soup or something like that. I think they wouldn't be that much overweight because some kids, when they go home, the first warm meal is like, I don't know, five, six, seven o'clock. Because all the parents are working. Well, most of them anyway. So, so they're having their big meal too late in the day, if you like. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's my problem. I think that's the problem with the... And have you had a look, have you had a look into um, the school lunchbox of kids going to school? Not really, no. But like, what's in them? I mean, what are they bringing? I'd like to know because I'm way, I'm it's way beyond me now at this stage of my own. But what are kids taking to school? Like sandwiches, and well, some people make some salads or something. But like, it's still cold. Like, the child's growing; it needs a proper, warm, proper meal. Like, there's sandwiches, but what you put in sandwiches, processed meat cheeses and stuff like it's it's not healthy okay are there uh, any kind of snack bars in there crisps sugary drinks stuff like that no most schools gonna prohibit that so that that's fine but uh, i don't know it's it's the sandwich that drives me mad <laughs> it's 
what's causing the problems. Like all the yogurts and stuff, that's fine. Or the fruit. You can't you can't expect a child to grow up on fruit and wage like you need a proper meal. In, that's yeah, how yeah. in in primary school years and years ago, everybody went home in at lunchtime. You know, I know, I, know I certainly oh, did. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, and and um, years and years and years ago, the dinner was in the middle of the day. It was at one o'clock. Yeah, kids were kids were thinner as a result of that. I think. I completely agree with that one. That's I think is the biggest problem. Now, the, now dinner is in the evening, and the choices are so varied. Um, I think that maybe that's helping to get kids obesity problems on the increase. Yeah, and maybe some parents are tired and they just order in something like, I don't know, chips or pizza or something, you know. Are you suggesting that all schools should have proper canteen where the food, and I'm reading your email, the food is prepared that would have maybe a soup or a hot lunch or a hot dinner? Yeah, that would be a really seriously big help to children and obesity rather than them having their main meal at six or seven in the evening. Exactly. But you see, the problem with that is that... Money. Yeah, money. Parents will be expected to pay for that. But, like, you still have to pay for the food. You still have to buy the bread and the meat or whatever you put in the kids' lunch. So I think it would be either the same or even better if you pay the school some kind of fee. I want to do many schools, actually. I'd be interested in finding out. Do many primary schools or secondary schools, for that matter, have proper canteen facilities where a warm meal is served in the middle of the day? Would you think there are many? I don't think so. Okay, well, let's find out. I I wouldn't know, but I don't think so. Anyway, you see a direct correlation between school lunches and overweight children. Yes. Okay, okay, let's get some thoughts on that. Text 0868104106. Thanks for that, Layla. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Yes, indeed. A very interesting article actually recently in uh, one of the supplements that came with uh, the Telegraph and it was talking about bloatness, tiredness, insomnia and depression. And the article actually was about, you know, why your health, all roads regarding your health and your welfare, whether it's your physical body or your mental health, leads directly to your gut, you know, your second brain. Uh, The fellow said years ago that there's no money in broccoli but there is money in pharmaceutical products and that's why we don't talk enough about you know, the importance of diet and a healthy gut and things like that. Uh, the likes of you know, using fresh vegetables an awful lot more and a lot of the ones that, and you can see that, I see it all the time in, in restaurants that unfortunately way too many of them have very limited selection when it comes to uh, vegetables. I mentioned it before, they seem to have some kind of a, a love affair with broccoli and carrots, which are usually overcooked and all the goodness is gone, but you'd never see asparagus, you'd never see peas anymore, or even Brussels sprouts out of season and things like that, that kind of variety, or leeks on a diet. But the point is that we need to talk more about our gut health if you want it to affect your physical health, and that's not just, you know, your physical body, but also your mental health, and I think everything is related back to uh, food, you know, and that's why some people call pharmacy with an F, as in farm a C regards to what we eat.
Um, lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four nine six. I'd like to talk to people to see if there is um, canteen options in in primary school and in secondary school where a warm meal is served in the middle of the day. Uh, and also, what are you giving your kids in lunch boxes as we head into September and back to school? Just how healthy is it? You know, it was much healthier in the past when people made had their main meals in the middle of the day rather than later at night. And there's no physical exercise to try and help to burn it off or digest it. But anyway, text 0868104106. Then I was talking about people who whose relationships broke up. They never saw their partner again. This all started much earlier this morning with the husband who literally left the family home, left son behind, left wife behind, went off to England and hasn't been seen sight nor sound in nine years. And then there was some other calls subsequent to that. And amongst them, amongst them was, was Anthony. Anthony, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Now, I don't want to know the reasons why the marriage broke down or anything like that. That's personal out of respect to mm-hmm. you and, and your ex-wife. So I can't go there because she's not here to uh, uh, to get involved in the conversation. But what, what, other than that, what can That's you tell good. me? Yeah, because yeah. I'm not going to go there anyway. <laughs> Fair enough. Pity I didn't know that. I wouldn't have brought it up. But anyway, go ahead. Well, basically, we met up. We were married for two and a half, going on three years. And let's just say I was the injured party. We were living in the UK. We were living in London. And it was like, it was a betrayal, I'll just I say know, I mean, now. see, that's what I don't want to talk about. I don't want to go into any of that stuff, yeah? But that's all I'm saying. Yeah. A betrayal can be anything. Okay. But it was unforgivable. So I just packed my bags, I left, I came back to Cork. I didn't want to see her, let alone live with her anymore, or have anything to do with her. So I got on with my life anyway, and thought about her on and off, and thought about things on and off. And the next thing... About 12 years ago, I got a letter. I came home from work and I got a letter and I saw the harp and I said, oh God, what is it now, tax or something? It's bad news anyway if there's a harp on it. Yeah. Open the letter. Dear blah, 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 we have been forwarded to this letter from Such 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 a company. Her solicitor had sent a letter to the Department of Social Protection who had forwarded it on to me, and the letter from the Department of Social Protection said, we have not revealed your address or your details or any of your information. We're just forwarding on this letter. And there was the divorce papers. And it was irreconcilable differences, which uh, (laughs) that's understatement of the year after 10 years and I've seen someone. Yeah, but they have to give it a title, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was it. So anyone can be tracked down. That's how I was tracked down. Because I'm not on social media or anything, so she couldn't find me that way. And happy to sign it, were you? Very happy. Very happy. Well, I wasn't. I was and I wasn't. Because I am fairly religious and I didn't believe in divorce, but I knew I was never going to go back with her again. But I would have been quite happy to leave it as it was. But then I thought maybe... I don't know, maybe she wanted to move on. There you go, you were looking at it, you were also looking at it from her point of view, and that's commendable. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a bitter person, and I just thought, look, just sign it, send it back, get it over and done, but got my divorce papers, but how you can be tracked down. So I'm sure if that could be done from the UK to here, I'm sure if anyone was looking for someone in England, like at the time I was there, oh, I'm going back over nearly 20 years ago, at that time, over there, like our PPS number, they so called it a national insurance number. She could find him that way. Yeah. 
Joan. Yeah, I don't see why not. Joan could find him that way. No, it's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even think that was possible. I thought it was very clever, really, to be quite honest. But it would would be very important that that somebody would get divorced because in the event of you passing away or having property or anything, uh, it would go to your estranged partner and maybe not to, you know, if you had other children by another relationship who you weren't married to, and then that property would go on to your ex's children and by another marriage and be out of your hands. Yeah, well, luckily it was very amicable. She didn't want any rights to any property or anything like that, and we didn't have children, so it was very amicable. But I'm just saying it's kind of kind of important to keep those things, you know, straight. I know, but Neil, I just kind of I wanted to face it, and I didn't want to face it. You know that kind of a way. It's like that press that you see that you know you have to clean out, and you just look at it and you say, "I'll do it tomorrow." And, you know, before you know it, a year turns into two years and two years turns into 10 years. That's something and that we can all relate to. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, you know, putting things on the long finger. And I didn't really want to face it. And as a Catholic, then I thought the shame of being divorced. But I don't feel shame anymore now. Like, you know, so like I said, I wasn't the one in the wrong. So I, I don't feel any shame. And I felt it was. But why would you even use that word? Like, why do we always associate Catholicism with shame and guilt, um, you know, and and why, like, why well, was, I don't know. Why was I just always way? assumed marriage was for life, and there's some things you can work out, and there's some things you can forgive, but there's other things you can forgive, you but, know. And then, but I Catholicism, don't know. but Catholicism shouldn't instruct people to stay in unhappy marriages. Oh no, I agree with that definitely. I mean, well, it didn't instruct me. I packed my bags and I left yeah. and I came home. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, I didn't want to set eyes on her ever again. No, but I'm I just didn't. saying, just generally speaking, nobody should be forced into staying somewhere where they're either at risk or they're unhappy because religion tells them they must. Oh, I totally agree. And I think this waiting period as well for a divorce, that has to be done away, but that's ridiculous. If it's over, it's over. You know it's over. And why prolong it, you know? Okay, my man. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. Thanks, Anthony. As always, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Just one quick one here because the schools are all back and everything and we we're talking about some chaos. Everybody's getting into their groove. Um, my concern at the moment, though, is that I've a lot of I've seen a lot of parents chatting and hanging around out school, outside schools. And in one instance, three different people emerged from the one car from different, different families. They sat into the car together to have a chat. Where's the distancing there? I've also noticed grandparents still seem to be minding children as well. Aren't the elderly meant to be minding themselves instead of being caught to mind and collect the grandchildren? Good point. I wonder whether the grannies and grandfathers are doing it willingly uh, or feel as if they have to or are forced into doing it. We'll pick it up after 11. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. All right, keep those texts coming. And amongst them, uh, one or two interesting texts regarding uh, dropping off and picking up from school. Neil, back off the grandparents. Well, it's not me. I'm just reading out the texts. Uh, back off the grandparents. The holier-than-thou busy bodies of Cork bullied the grandparents enough already at the beginning of this pandemic. They were devastated to be kept away from their grandchildren at the time. Many of them had issues with muscle wastage and dementia from being locked up at home. Leave them alone now. That's from John in Douglas, a grandparent who collects my grandchildren three days a week from school 
and they're the happiest days of my week. Thank you for that text to 0868104106. Interestingly, um, you had Sean on the program from Tenerife recently. Yes, I did. Um, he's so right in what he said about the impact of coronavirus on the elderly. Uh, this is a sad story. I know an elderly man in his mid-80s now, fit and active. He has lived on his own, goes driving, shopping, does his own cooking. He also takes other elderly people to mass. It's a man in his mid-80s now. Then along came lockdown for him, and he was not able to do any of the normal things, not able to see people. In a matter of a few weeks, his mind started to go. It got worse to the point that his family had to make the heartbreaking decision to move him into care in June. Saying goodbye at the door and not being able to see him for weeks was heartbreaking. He also had a fall over the weekend. And as a result of an infection, he was moved to hospital. And he is now, as I write this, very ill. Did any of those Muppets who break guidelines, whether the dinner in Clifton or people at house parties, uh, give a single thought to other people in the country by themselves? Or the effect COVID has had on most vulnerable. I know that man who has uh, that man has paid such a high price as a result of this virus, and I, for one, am livid. You see, it's when you hear the individual stories of everything or anything that it really kind of drives home uh, the messages of judge being judgmental about other people, or indeed how some people during this last six months have just had an awful, awful time of it. Time of it. And there was much then to do with addiction in relation to the conversations about drugs. I'm clean from drugs now for a very long time, but I can tell you that Cork is getting worse and worse. The guards know it all, but just seem to leave these people at it. I'm just a person who works a normal life now, and I can get as much drugs as I want. It's just mad, and things are only getting worse year by year. I know dealers that are doing this for years, and they still have not been stopped by the guardie. I also lost another friend due to addiction on Saturday morning. Um, and yesterday's conversation then with Niamh, who told the story of her, her brother, who was lost to the family for some years and ultimately died. They, they figure in the end <coughs> that his body just shut down from drinking, you know, the Russian pachin, the Polish vodka, um, the, the stuff that's being brewed in large uh, plastic vats. It's 80-90% proof and sold around the city for a fiver a bottle. Uh, I can understand why you or anyone else would have sympathy for addicts, but you've recently had elderly victims of these junkies on your show whose lives were ruined because some junkie wanted cash to fund their addictions. Um, it was a wonderful interview I had with Neil. Powerful, educational, emotional and human, says Michael. And just some more of the text. Just listening to Neil on the air, it's a true saying, nobody can throw a stone. Be kind to all you meet. They belong to someone. Um, about the people on the phone last week who blamed addicts, blame addicts for their own circumstances. Uh, then one texter went on to say these people would mo- most likely be at mass on a Sunday. You know, those that blame addicts for their own situation would still go to mass. The texter couldn't possibly know anyone or what anyone else, is do- anyone else does. I go to mass and I enjoy a great relationship with God. But I can honestly say I don't judge anyone. Anywhere, anytime. Um, one more here. I would have known David, Neil's brother, who died. I would have known him fairly well. He had a heart of gold. A couple of weeks before he passed away, I met him in Merchant's Quay when I was shopping with my little girl. Instead of, as you might expect him, asking me for money, he was trying to give my little one a couple of euro for sweets. This was just a few weeks before he died. 
It just goes to show even in the depths of addiction and struggle, we shouldn't judge the person on the streets just by their appearance. There is a struggle and a story behind all of these unfortunate souls. Thank you for that. That's a lovely text. And thank you to everybody else as well. Back to the phone lines we go. Chris is standing by. Chris, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. So we're back to people who've been doing a bit of travelling of late. And you were in Kenmare, was it? And also Killarney. I was in Kenmare and Killarney. And I was over in Killarney. And I was waiting outside a shop on a lovely bench provided by the council. And... I see a bit of activity coming out of an off-license and I look across the road and I see more activity coming out of the supermarket. All shall remain unnamed. And it's, I was on previously and, and, and uh, I'm basically saying that off-licenses have a lot to answer for. I was in several uh, bar restaurants. I was in several restaurants. Most of the restaurants were fully booked both in Kinmare and Killarney and the ones that were available were bar slash restaurants and they were very, very strict with all the procedures. It was, the, it's, it, it was, and it is, the off-licenses are supplying these younger people with copious amounts of drink. They're coming out with a bottle of orange juice, emptying out some of the contents, filling it with the, the nagging of vodka, and proceeding up down the road. I see them, I, I see like. them, and I, I, I know that not mo- that most of them aren't no, drinking LucasAid Sport, I know well. that. I've seen them in Cork, and I reported it the last time on Cork. The off-licenses have a lot to answer for, and the publicans are getting... You know, the, the raw end of the deal, and I'm over the game, I couldn't care less. But fair is fair. It's the off licenses are causing these problems. These youngsters are like a dog penned up in the back garden for days and then suddenly taken off, taken off the leash, and he's gone like a whip it down the road. And what do you, and what do you, are, you of, are you of the tribe who believe that off licenses should have all been closed? Or is it that the off-licenses are allowed to open so responsible publicans should be allowed? Which is it? Um, Basically, off-licenses have to stand up and be accounted for the damage that they're doing because the publicans have been blamed for everything. You can't go into a pub and get a point because you might get COVID, but yet you can go to an off-license, get a nag and a vodka, a bottle of orange juice, and meet 10 friends and have a wild party at the side of the road on a green Right. Or in a in a house, or the one we or you know people people have yes. their own and house party. It's fair. Let's call let's call it as it is. The pubs are being slated, not allowed open, etc., etc., etc. We all know the story. We're tired of hearing the story. But yet the off licenses willy nilly can serve all they want to whoever they want, whenever they want, up to half past ten at night, and the youngsters. As all youngsters will do, take advantage of it. I mean, we were all young once. It, it, this isn't about apportioning blame. This is about, you know, maybe being fair about it. If a responsible publican will address... But haven't, and allow- haven't things... You, I know, yeah, that might well be the elephant in the room, but uh, ha- drinking patterns have changed dramatically in the last 20 or 30 years. I mean, you were manager of the old Vic, you were manager of Pitts, you worked in Reds, you were the manager in Coco's, the Gay Future Bar. These were serious places in the city for entertainment. You were right there at the top of the tree for many years. Uh, it was very different than people's drinking habits. There was no home drinking. Right. There was no home drinking, but at the same time, it was a very social uh, event. Uh, you, 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 you had to dress accordingly to get in through the front door. You had to behave yourself. 
Uh, it was a very social thing. We gave value for money. I mean, like, you know, without sounding like a pain in the proverbial, in 1984, in the Old Vic, we were serving slice of pizza with coleslaw or potato salad, a hero roll, which they just call a, a sub-roll now these days, right? And we had a DJ in-house Friday and Saturday and Sunday, right? In 1984, we were doing that. Cocktails, pina coladas, daiquiris, all homemade with real, real McCoy, real alcohol, cooked and milk the whole lot. And we were serving slice of pizza and a DJ. Now, you tell me, from 1984... 2020 what are they doing that's so different what value are they giving to the punter even though they've quadrupled the price of drink what are they doing to give value See, I, can't, I don't know whether the price of drink was, was the same when it came to the living wage or the amount of money people earned at the time or was it much, was drink much cheaper or dearer than I don't know well, I suppose you yeah, would have to do an exercise on that but that's, okay let's go, let's go with the, the value for money so let's go with the value for money I mean, we, we, we were given DJs, uh, fancy dress parties, slice of pizza for lunch, uh, hair rolls, cocktails made to order, and not from a pre-made bottle. Uh, so the, public, the publicans have to step up for the map now as well. But this isn't, the, this isn't the issue. The issue is the off-licenses are are getting away with blue mother because it's the... No, but my point is people true. years ago went to the pub. They didn't go to the off-licenses and buy boxes of beer or bottles of vodka or rum or tequila yeah. or whiskey and, and bring it home. That was well, not the way. The it was a more controlled the, place. They also... And the arrival of, of the German supermarkets, which entered into a price war with the alcohol, which the other outlets had to, had to combat and, and fight, alcohol became very, very cheap in off licenses slash uh, certain uh, uh, supermarket outlets. So then... What did they obviously think to do? The smoking ban came in, followed by the, the, the price war on alcohol, and everybody, there was a recession in between as well, so people started drinking a whole And then on more. top of it, of course, they changed the drink driving, which no longer permitted somebody to drive after two pints. And that was the end of well, it then. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's a give. That's a give. That's like, that's like telling me how Martin... He, he he shouldn't have introduced the smoking ban. We had to go there. We had to go there with the smoking ban. We had to go there with the driving ban. Yeah, but pubs well, in rural Ireland didn't say. agree with that because they had a lot of people who came in for their two pints and drove home and never crashed into anyone. That's exactly right. So that was the death knell. Right. I suppose we're engaging in history lessons, really, and that's in the past, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah, 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 exactly. But today's issue is off-licenses, not standing up and taking responsibility for the copious amounts of alcohol that they're sending out through the door. I witnessed it. I'm not talking bull. I'm not talking about hairspray. I've seen it myself. Yeah. I've seen them come out. They send the older lad in or the girl or a friend of the, the, the older brother or whatever and out they come empty some of the contents of the Coca-Cola or the orange juice fill up tonight as vodka and off we go. And that's not fair trading for the publicans. That's not fair trading for the publicans. I mean, Healy Ray, Healy Ray, Dolan Kerry, like, he, 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 he said the most sensible thing. How can you hold a toasted sandwich in one hand and a pint in the other and be COVID-free and walk next door and have no toasted sandwich and get COVID? Okay, I mean, good points you know. and uh, accountability, accountability for off-licenses. Appreciate that. Thanks, Chris, as always. Um, no, no, it's no. interesting because um, Michael Healy Ray also said yesterday that what happened in Killarney wouldn't have happened in Killarney if the pubs were all open. Morning, myself and my partner Pete listen to you regularly from Yorkshire in England. Uh, and we've done so since we first visited Cork. Uh, we stayed near Dunworley 
and we came over first in September of 2019. But we love to listen ever since. We love listening to the updates from Cork. We had planned to return this summer. We can't wait until things are safe and we can't wait to return to the beautiful Irish coast. And hopefully we will do it next summer, says Lauren. Well, thank you for your very kind text. I'm glad you listen. I'm glad you enjoy it. I think you, you are living in a most beautiful part of, of England, up in Yorkshire. I'd love to do a road trip around, around England, uh, you know, by car, just taking a few weeks, just traveling around, or maybe a few months. It's a country that I'd love to see an awful lot more of. So glad that you love Ireland and hope to see you back here soon again. Now, do you remember the Cork uh, Islamic uh, Mosque, where many people were saying that there was 200 or 300 people gathering outside it in Toker, all shaking hands and hugging and going in? And why was this being permitted? We caused on that yesterday. We got a response from Sarah on behalf of the Cork Islamic Information Centre. It's quite short and to the point, and she says, we can assure you that all government guidelines are followed at the mosque. We've been putting on extra prayers to stagger it, and it's the same at all mosques, particularly the one in Toker. Then, during our religious holiday prayers, we prayed on a pitch outside in the rain. Uh, Take care, says Sarah, as a response to um, people's concerns. There were so many of them uh, rocking up in cars, uh, led to hundreds on stage, and that they weren't following guidelines and protocol and physical distancing. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Joe on the North says that I just passed a couple of schools yesterday. It was great to hear the kids shouting and roaring and playing with their friends again. That's a very positive outlook on it. Well done, Joe. Meanwhile, not everybody's like that. Just saw 30 teens all piled on top of each other without any masks on them and they're only putting the masks on once they went into the schoolyard. We need to be more careful about this. The schools should be doing more monitoring. Schools can't monitor kids outside the school gates you just can't and then with regards to parties uh, living in a council house my next door neighbour next door are living in a private dwelling but all through the Covid restrictions uh, and lockdowns these people had house parties after house party while collecting the Covid payments myself and my partner worked through it and doing the best we can to have a life while these people couldn't care less they have complete disregard and disrespect for us we've tried countless times dealing with the guards and city council to help deal with the problem And it has nearly ended up in court as we are at our wits end with anxiety. Every weekend, we're just waiting for the people to arrive for the latest house party. It's an awful scenario to find yourself in. But they'll always have fools. You really and truly will. People who just don't give a damn. Um, Actually, back to one of the topics earlier on. That's for kids. Trisha, good morning. Hello there. I was trying to work out are there schools, and I'm sure that people will tell me, in Cork where primary schools and secondary schools do provide um, a, a hot lunch in the middle of the day. You're saying in the in the UK they do? Oh, they do, yeah. I think the majority of schools have kitchens and they either cook it in the um, school or it's brought in, delivered. And it's meat, veg, potatoes, proper food. It's not, or you could get a snacks, you know, like a salad based meal. And that's all schools, is it? Majority of them, the ones I've had experience of in London, yeah, about two pound sixty a day. And is that that clearly is subsidised? Is it a two sixty? Oh, well, no, well, yeah, I suppose it is. Um, and then there's also the thing that if you can't pay, then the council pay it for you. And how do you do? You have to prove that you can pay. Yeah, you'd fill it in. Say you were on a certain benefit, then you'd fill in a form and apply for free school meals. 
I remember it was exactly like that when we were going to school all those dark days ago. There were people that couldn't pay and they got free school meals. In Ireland? No, here. In the UK? In London, yeah. Uh, and did you have to pay or were you free? Oh, no, we have to pay, yeah. yeah. We had to pay. And I don't remember them ever complaining, you know, back back in the late 70s, 80s. And when the but, kids go home then, do they have another dinner then? I don't actually remember ever doing that. My daughter now, she um, she wouldn't. She might have a bowl of cereal in the evening. It seems like a healthier way to go, doesn't it, to have a main meal in oh, the well, middle of the day? Well, I don't know about that, because I was reading this morning that um, there, um, you know, this type 2 diabetes epidemic that's going on. Yeah. Well, they're um, going to be offering people to start on the soup and shake diet that the NHS will pay for. That's it. in the English Times this morning, yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah, I was reading that this morning, yeah. As opposed to what? As opposed to stuffing your face with chips. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Actually, it's interesting. There's one or two here now I see. Uh, that lady regarding school lunches, please tell her to look after her own family and keep her nose out of what other parents give their kids for lunch. Good God, what business is it of hers? Oh, so is that the lady that was on earlier? The girl who said... Yeah, that, that well, she's only concerned, isn't she? Well, because she says she thinks that young people and children are getting well, fatter. Right. Yeah, but you know yourself, if you eat bread, you just feel bleh. Don't you? You feel really I, I can't eat bread because it makes my trousers shrink. <laughs> Switch your washing powder. <laughs> I love bread. <laughs> bread That's doesn't love, Irish bread. It doesn't love me, I'm afraid. Irish brown bread is the best, isn't it? How are you guys getting on over there, seeing as Boris was paying for you guys to go out and eat? Did you avail oh, of fantastic, yes. Well, that was dishy rishy. Rishi said, did you did you avail of it? We did, yeah. <laughs> we did. We had one night we were out and um, we went down to Bournemouth for a couple of days and one night we were in the hotel and they were charging about thirty five pounds for a sirloin. So you got ten quid off that straight away. Um and I had the most amazing hake risotto. <laughs> It was it was out of this world, <laughs> and the bill came to something like forty something quid for the three of us. Yeah, yeah. You didn't I have think. the sirloin then, no. No, 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 no. no. You How could anybody charge well. thirty five pounds? Oh for... no, yeah, but it was a nice hotel. Yeah, but still, it's an eight ounce sirloin. Like. I know, but then we went to Weatherspoons, and the three of us, <laughs> well, the three of us ate for eleven pounds. <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant. And I seen yesterday the queues in outside restaurants all around cities yesterday were massive. People like outside Wagamama and But it's and, over now, it ended, didn't yeah, it? Yes. Finished yesterday. <laughs> finished yesterday. Party's right? over. <laughs> That's why we're all type two diabetics now. We're all getting on the shake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mind yourself. Stay in right, touch. Cheers. Bye. Take care. Uh, I went to secondary school in both Middleton and Yaw CBS in the 90s. Both schools had dining areas. None had a canteen. Both schools were big schools in their time. We all grew up with Mammy's Sandwiches and the Capri Sun. 
or cheap knockoffs like Capri Sun. Obesity isn't because of the traditional school lunch. It's all got to do with hobbies. We spent our days running around the parish, getting chased by cattle or cycling miles to the next village, not sat in front of a PlayStation. Another one or two of these, just to comment on the woman about hot lunches in school. Uh, my daughter goes to Skulvera, August Owen in Mayfield and receives hot meals every day. We don't have to pay. It's free. Um, another one here. My son's school canteen only serves unhealthy food, hot food, unhealthy f- hot food like goujons, wedges, jambons and other pies. There are no healthy options. I have a confession to make. Have you got a set of headphones there? Can you, because I need I, something I need to ask you. I know and I should know this. I know what goujons, goujons are. I know what wedges are. But what's a jambon? Jambon is like a pastry. And then in the middle of it, there's melted cheese and small bits of bacon on top of it. You know full well what it is then? I do. Yeah. Are you a slave to them? No, but I would have eaten. You know, it's a quick thing. You'd be going past the filling station going, no, jambon there. You'll get them if you're hungover. Is it? It's. it's oh, hangover. yeah. One of them. And kids love and and how many calories would you think? I give it probably four hundred. And for someone, one. Someone, and it's small. And someone would regard that as a as a, a snack. snack. So when you have a school canteen that only serves goujons, wedges, and jambons and pies, is it any wonder when kids pile on the weight? Yeah, ain't it so? Now I know. Thank you for that. Our child is starting play school this week. We've only been informed yesterday that no school bag. Or no lunch boxes will be allowed to come in with the child. They have to have lunch in a brown paper bag. I think it's a disgrace, as everyone could possibly be handling our child's lunch, whereas if it's in a box, then only my child would handle it. Yet they use shared cups for their milk and water inside the place. This is just another thing to add to the list of getting anxious of our child going back to school. Anyone else in the same boat? Or perhaps we're just overthinking or worrying about nothing. I'd let that one go, Sandra, to be honest with you, you know. I'd let that one go. I mean, I think, pick your fights, and I don't believe that that's one of them. Anyway, lines are open at one 106 Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Tough, tough, tough being a parent these days when there are so many options now. And of course, one of them has to do with a lot of takeout and it can be delivered and stuff like that. Anyway, enough of me. Um, the food our mammies made is what I was talking about way back in the day when you'd lunch in the middle of the day. You had your dinner in the middle of the day. I heard you mention that we used to eat our big meal at lunchtime in the days gone by and late night dinners might be adding to Ireland's childhood obesity issues. I think the issue is also about the type of food we are feeding our kids. I have three small kids. I work full time. I used to come home from work, throw a jar of Dalmio sauce in some pasta pop on some fish fingers and waffles or make some toasties with ham and cheese for the kids before getting them to their bath and bed and then crashing on the couch for an hour myself completely exhausted. I give them ice cream or jellies as a treat some days. But I recently started educating myself about these foods and the findings are startling. Like, did you know that there are five cubes of sugar in a jar of Dalmio? Even the company that makes it have come out to say people should only use it once a week as it's so high in sugar. A tub of Ben and Jerry's ice cream has 25 cubes of sugar. I'd eat a tub myself in one sitting. The difference is... Our Irish the Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco, save time and shop online. 
don't know what happened there. It's got a mind of its own. Sorry about that. Right in the middle of a... You're going to have to reschedule that ad break, guys. I don't know how that happened. Anyway, where was I? Okay, we were talking about Ben & Jerry's. Tub of ice cream. Tub of Ben & Jerry's. 25 ice cubes. 25 cubes of sugar. I'd eat a tub myself in one sitting. The difference is our Irish mammies were all at home all day long and had time to cook fresh fish, veg, potatoes. My mum used to get fresh fish on a Friday, make beautiful homemade brown bread for our school lunches, and everything was fresh. There wasn't a preservative in sight. Most mammies these days work at least 40 hours a week and are still expected to be super mum at home, preparing home-cooked meals like Gordon Ramsay, keeping a clean house that Maria Kondo would be proud of, being a taxi driver for the children, and doing all this while trying to stay sane. It drives me mad when people compare working mammies today to Irish mammies in the past. It's just not the same. All mums and dads should educate themselves on what to give their kids for school lunches and dinners. But people also need to be kinder to working mummies and recognise that sometimes we're just too damn tired to make super healthy lunches for our kids, as you suggest. Some of your listeners need to stop judging people. Thank you from a frazzled working mommy. Oh, God almighty. 20, I can't get over. In the tub of Ben and Jerry's ice cream, there's 25 cubes of sugar. The equivalent of 25 cubes of sugar. I mean, diet, diet, diet. Everything is back. I think your mental health as well as your physical health is so reliant on what you eat. And there was research there recently. I think Jacques, Jacques Brennan wants to pick up on this. Vegans have the worst diet. The more they avoided meat, butter, cheese and milk, the more processed food they consumed. The article said they also are less likely to cook from scratch. They find that vegans eat way too many microwave meals, pastries, cakes, sugary drinks and cereals. Um, I tried to find the research which was done by the Sorbonne University in Paris where they polled 21,000 adults, but I couldn't find it anywhere. But what they were saying is that not all vegetarian or vegan diets have healthy benefits. Um, and when Jacques Brennan, who wrote Hungry Soul, How to Cook Vegan, heard about this uh, research, um, he had to laugh. But there's always the um, demonos, really, isn't it, between carnivores and vegans. Jacques, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Neil? I'm good. I haven't I haven't seen your book. I haven't read it, but uh, I'd certainly be interested in giving getting a look at it or maybe giving away good, some copies. Of it. What, yeah, what, we'll what, give what, you a few to, to give away. Good man. But what about that research, though? Vegans eat well, processed food. The, that was that article or the the quote was actually after you spoke about it. A friend of mine was listening to the radio, and she said, "Jack, get on the phone. Talk to these people." <laughs> so I I did. I tried to get a hold of you. Because I was laughing as I was doing it, right? Because when it's a, okay, it's newspaper and, you know, they have to catch your attention. So they say vegan is a poor diet, which is totally untrue. It's just not only untrue, but it's the opposite, actually. Vegan diets are the best diet. But when they... The research said that it's a warning to vegans that it's... the research? I looked for Salbon as well. (laughs) You couldn't find it either. No, because, you know, you, you have to see... What are they saying when they say, you know, 37% uh, vegans eat processed, uh, 35% of uh, meat eaters eat whatever. whatever what they're they saying say, is right? you can't get all the nutrition that you need from veggies. Yeah, you can, actually, and you should. And I do. I'm a vegan 10 years or more. I'm a vegetarian all my life. I was born that way. 
And I'm very healthy first, and, and my family is. And you, you, you're not you're not underweight or pasty or thin or no, grey. No, 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 I'll send you a picture. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, you don't look no, ill. No, not at all, actually. And vegetarians and vegans are not thin and pasty, but they tend to be thinner, yes, because they're not eating so much refined, poor food. When I, when I hear about uh, the processed um, and, and the poor diet, most people who are vegans, they, they're much more attuned with the, what they're eating because they have to. They're, it's a, it's a something that's not the status quo. And they look for food. They look for better food. And that's just the way it is. I'm not saying that all are like that, but most are. Most of the vegans and, uh, eat way better than everybody else and are healthier. I suppose you've got a lot more options now than, say, a vegan or a vegetarian back in... Imagine being vegetarian, for instance, in the 1970s and going into a restaurant. It must have been I hell. Was. Yeah. was it not was. hell? Like, What were the options for you? Well, usually they... La- I, I remember going into a very high-class restaurant in Paris and the chef said, c'est son problème. That's his problem and walked away from me. And... Uh, of course, he had to come back, but I, I, I. Uh, like you just I, had the you just had the veg option, right? We did, but the, the, it's true. Most restaurants are like that. But to be vegan uh, twenty years ago, hundred years ago, it is not a problem because people were like that in many countries of the world who were majority vegan in Asia. But in Europe, it was the the let's say there was always meat included. When I went to France. They put ham in mashed potato. So you're like, just have mashed potato. But, and so I couldn't eat that, right? <laughs> and it was always this kind of thing. And they, if they just made a, a bean stew, I would be fine. And bean stew are here since uh, before we were here. So, you know, there it's to be vegan. But the going out was hard. That's for sure. I actually, out, I actually had a vegan karma curry last night, which my son cooked, right? Your and, son cooked. Yeah. Very impressive. Yeah, he's, he's into that kind of stuff himself and his girlfriend. But it was really lovely, but it, it, yeah. need, it needed chicken in it. <laughs> no, no, no. No, it, I, I, I just missed the chicken. Yeah, of course, because if you're used to something, you must be, you know, getting used to getting, when you are a habit of something, it's very difficult. I'm, I understand that. I mean, becoming vegan from eating meat all one's life is not very easy. I became vegan from a vegetarian diet and it was not easy even then because you miss certain fatty foods which are really salty and fatty foods which are cheese and it's one of the hardest things to to get rid of. But now they have cheese that are fatty and salty as well which are made from protein, uh, vegetable protein. I try, yeah, and I, have, and I have tried them but it's not cheese. Yeah. That's the problem. No, it's not cheese, but it's getting, it's never going to be cheese, actually. It's never going to be animal-based cheese because it's not animal-based cheese. It's different, but they're, they're getting more and more similar all the time. There's, I, I have them at home. I don't eat them a lot because it's processed food as well. But don't, but isn't that the, isn't that the argument they make about the vegan diet that you see people who are vegan or maybe vegetarian and they weigh, eat way too much pasta and way too much bread and way well, too much I, sugar. Well, that I, I'm not sure that is true, actually. And I, I actually think it's not true. But bread, yes, probably. But everybody eats a lot of bread. Everybody eats pasta. But you, you'll find that uh, when you're speaking to vegan people, and even recent vegan people, they're much more in tune about what they're eating. So they're eating more, 
you know, kale and, you know, people that people don't like, but they're very, very much in tune. Actually, if you look at my website, you'll see a few people I'm, I'm putting up there, people who have become vegan. I, I, just today, I, or yesterday, I published the latest post, a woman who came from Brazil, in the southern Brazil, which they were called, they're called cowboys when you come from southern Brazil, because all they eat is meat and lots and lots of meat. And at parties, and I went to their wedding, the people's wedding, and I could hardly eat anything. All they ate was plates and plates of meat. I mean, lots and lots. You wouldn't believe what they eat, right? <laughs> and she slowly became vegan. Today, she's vegan the last, I don't know how long, 10 years, maybe. And so you you do, and uh, it is difficult sometimes, but you eat well. I Wait, why you. did why did you do it originally? Was it Was it for the animals? I was always like that, yeah. I was brought up in a family of vegetarians, and the reason we were vegetarians were for ethical reasons, for animals. We didn't believe in using animals for human consumption, for human use, for human experiments, okay. anything like so, that. So um, a, a, a cheeseburger is alien to you, or a, um, you know, or a carnivore pizza, burger. Is a, a burger, things like that, never? No. The first burger I ever had in my life at a takeaway was in London, when I was traveling in London, at a Wimpy's, I think it was called. It was a bean burger. And I walked out. I was 20, mid-20s or something. And I walked out with a bag, chips, and a burger. And the first time in my life, I was like a little boy, right? I had a burger like everybody else, right? So it can be, you know, when you're young and that and you're not eating similar foods. And some foods came on that were like meat, like hot dogs and stuff like that, that I used to bring to camp so that I would have a hot dog for the fire. Because everybody else did, you know. So there were alternatives, and there's still... And probably a lot of the processed foods they talk about are alternatives. Great to talk to you, because you're a happy vegan. (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) I like... Thank you. Well, I like to be happy anyways, but I think most vegans are happy. (laughs) I'm I'm only winding you up. So you don't do... You know, because I was doing some reading into this. We're talking about, oh, veganism and the vegetarian diet is so important to the environment and the planet. But yet I found that more air miles have been clocked up moving fruit and vegetable around the planet for vegans and vegetarians than ever before from places like Peru. They're saying that the water water being used now on the planet to grow the new must-have avocados and mangoes is just astonishing. I mean, there's, you know, the amount, it takes 4,000 litres to grow and cultivate a kilo of almonds, you know? So they say that vegetarian and veganism is actually fueling deforestation. Well, there is uh, this thing about avocados because it's become a cash crop in places like Mexico, especially, but also in other places. And it does change and it does cause problems for the world and for the local population because of what they're eating. Even like quinoa, you probably heard of quinoa. Yeah. And quinoa was a staple diet in Peru. Cheap, cheap food. It became a superfood, which is funny. Why superfood? I mean, there's beautiful potatoes are great food, and as long as you get whole rice, organic stuff. But it became superfood, and there are not many places in the world where they grow it, and it just, it's not, the locals can't eat it anymore. Because it's a huge cash crop for export, as is. But come here, when you have, when you have, when you have new potatoes, for instance, like say Ballycotton new potatoes, what do you put on them? Oh, garlic, crushed garlic, always in a fluffy potato. I put crushed garlic and I put 
there's vegan uh, butters. You could drizzle. I like to drizzle a little olive oil, a little salt, and crushed garlic. Yeah, but you see, I want Kerrygold. I want Kerrygold well, on it. That's your option. It's unfortunate. <laughs> it's know. not the best thing for you, but that's the way. You know, we are... It's not easy that way. You know? <laughs> hold, on, hold on a second, Jack, because I don't, I don't want to lose Jim Byrne. He's got Happy Days ice cream. Jim, good morning. Very good. Good morning, Neil. How are you? What have you got? A vegan uh, range of ice creams? We, we have a vegan range of ice creams to make vegans even happier than they are. Right? <laughs> That's really good to you know, hear. That's my, what I... my, my, my challenge to you today is I am prepared to send you some pistachio vegan ice cream and let you decide <laughs> is it better than anything you have ever tasted before ice cream as they call real ice cream or this or vegan range well I tell you what I'll, so su- I'm, I'll I'm suffer from my job right and I'll, I'll suffer from my job and I'll taste it for you and what about me don't you send it to Neil <laughs> what about Jack Brennan well, I, 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 I will get it to Jack Brennan as well but what I, I, am I would love to hear to taste I, it and I'll put something up for you okay so we need to get <laughs> it delivered chilled that. to Limerick do we we do. Uh, we're in Clare, actually. Arna Crusha. Arna Crusha. Very important because you, people you in get the will not approve. To me and I will, I, will get, I will make sure that it is dispatched to you. This is wonderful news. You know, and I'm standing over this, right? <laughs> where, where are you, you by the way? Tasted, you have never tasted ice cream like this. Well, I'm looking forward to and it if, because one of the hardest things when I was younger was ice cream. When I, I could not eat, I traveled to Italy where you have this lovely ice cream and Belgium where they eat Dame Blanche, which is lots of ice cream with chocolate sauce on it. And I just had to, I stopped and it was the saddest thing. But then well, the joy is coming your way. Joy is coming your way, Jack. This is good news. Happy this is very good ice, news. Vegan ice cream. All right, yes? listen, okay. Jim, get it sorted. Neil, thanks for the opportunity. Not at all, my friend. I'm very I'm proud of you to do you. that. He's very proud. I'm very, I'm very proud of you to have taken that on. I know it's a market thing because the market is growing in veganism like <laughs> leaps and bounds. It's the biggest growing food market in the world. And that you're taking it on is super. Actually, I was talking to an organic we, 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 guy. We're a small company operating in Cork. Um, I actually started this company about 10 years ago myself. I yeah. am supposed to be retired, but given this, the, the uh, current environment, I'm, I have a small input in it. You have well. put but that like on hold. You know, I'll tell you, wisdom, wisdom should never be retired. I'm telling you. <laughs> I don't Jim. believe in retirement. I don't believe in it. Neil. Get get it get it get it to me and get it sorted and get it to Jim as well. Appreciate it. Happy Days ice cream are down in Little Island. I'm already getting texts saying that his ice cream is fab. So you'll never miss what you never had. Then she won't. No, and I'm lucky that way. I never really missed it, but I did miss the things I did have, like uh, cheese and like uh, like. Uh, when you switch cream. from vegetarian to vegan, it's tough, yeah, man. But, but I have to admit that I eat ten times better. And that I never have, it's because I had to start making much more bean dishes because normally I make a quiche okay. with eggs. Now I don't, right? Okay, I okay. never eat eggs. Okay, but, but hold, hold on a second now because Catherine Rose is a nutritionist. Catherine, good morning. Good morning. Okay, um, I have to say, I've never met a happier vegan than Jack Brennan. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, it's, it's a great diet if you want to do it, but it's not the best diet. That's my, my big thing with vegans is they always go, it's the best diet you can possibly have. It's not. A balanced diet is the best diet you can possibly have. Of course have. it is. It's, it is. I'm, poor, I'm, I'm sorry to have to tell you, but you are not correct in that. And the balanced diet is a vegan diet and has everything. And we're, our bodies are made to eat plant but it, food. But it, okay. We're not made to eat meat 
or animal-based food. Well, That's they say we they say that steak and beef is a, is the hardest thing for the body to break down and digest. But Catherine, at least make your point as to why as to why you say it's not healthy. Well, there's two different. My main points is that there's two different types of iron. There's heme iron and non-heme iron. Non-heme iron is what comes from plant sources, and that is harder for the body to absorb, and it's found in smaller quantities in plants. So it's easier if you eat your red meat once a week and then you'll be able to absorb that iron naturally. Now, you can get iron from plant sources. It's not as easy to absorb. So people doing the vegan diet need to, A, speak to their medical professional, obviously, and then make sure that they're eating enough plants. And, I mean, you might get one milligram per plant. The average male needs between nine milligrams a day. The average female needs... But can that not be got from supplements? In actual fact, that's incorrect. And heme iron is actually extremely bad for you and if I'm not mistaken, it's carcinogenic. And if you wish, I will check it out and I'll send it to you, Neil. But heme iron is the wrong iron. Actually, the best iron... See, the worry, I suppose, plant. is that vegans with a plant-based diet are putting their health at risk because they're not getting oh, all of the nutrients that they need. Just totally untrue. I know, I know exactly. you're saying that. I know that. You're untrue. saying that. It's actually the other way around. If you go into the cardiovascular hospital uh, uh, wards, if you go into people with... All these uh, diseases, you find how many are vegans in there. I bet you probably won't even find one because the vegan diet is the best diet because we are made to. The, the animals like ourselves, with our intestine like ourselves, with the teeth like we have, are made to eat plant food. Our canines. And we're not canines. We're not. We have You're canine mistaken. teeth. No, we do not. We do not we have do canine, canine teeth, teeth actually. No, we don't. Yeah, they're at the side uh, of your front No, they're don't, not. So aren't some of our teeth for ripping flesh? No, they're yes. not. No, our yes, teeth are. are grinding teeth. Our teeth are <laughs> we all molars. We have molars grinding teeth because we're, grinding. we're we have no, We have no teeth like a lion. And if you look at, at uh, carnivores like lions, they don't have any grinding teeth. They have cutting and tearing teeth. Yes, what that's they because do, they are carnivores. We they are rip. omnivores. We're not carnivores, actually. We're not omnivores. No, I said omnivores. Every- I know, I know. Listen, I know. Okay, okay. okay. I don't want to be falling out with you guys. Catherine, talk- all right. No, 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 no. You don't have to talk. I'm sorry to talk over you, but when you say something that's incorrect, I just have to say it. So you go but ahead. it's not incorrect. You cannot get well, vitamin A1 from a plant store. wrong. Name the plant stores you can get vitamin A1 from. F- from what? Vitamin A, the plant store. I don't know. I'll tell you. I don't think so Jack claims to be. I don't think Jack claims to be uh, a qualified nutritionist. You clearly studied for it, so you will be able to go drill into it. Yes. But but but, now, but again, it's a grand diet. It's probably better than. It's definitely better, say, than McDonald's and takeout and fast well, food. That's fine if it's a whole food diet. But if you're eating processed foods anyway, you're eating phosphates, nitrates, sulfites. No, it's, but the difference is bad. Okay, but no, it's not as bad. In actual fact, if processed, you're processed, foods, processed yes. animal foods are carcinogenic, yes. and this is said by the WHO, they're carcinogenic. And animal-based processed foods, which are not at all the same, don't have the, all that stuff that they have in meat, are not. They never said that uh, vegan uh, processed foods are carcinogenic. But a processed have foods, not only McDonald's, but ham, all that stuff is all processed foods. This it's carcinogenic. And if you want to know the studies, yes. I will send Both them to you. Are. They have phosphates, they have nitrates, they have sulfites. I am saying a uh, whole animal, food animal balanced based, diet is animal based meat. Uh, but, And you Not say that vegan. that balanced diet should include meat or poultry yes. or fish. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's the best that's option I would give to that's people fine. is to have two chicken, two fish, two veg and one day of red meat. 
That's terrible diet. And then you're eating across the rainbow. It's not a terrible diet. It's a it's terrible not. diet. It's not your diet. Doesn't mean it's not a terrible diet. But Where did you get a, your medical it's degree? It's not a healthy diet. That's all. It's it not, is a you very choose, Everybody diet. can choose. Sorry. It is everybody a healthy can, diet. No, it isn't. And everybody it can is. choose to eat. Everybody can choose to eat at McDonald's if they wish. That's fine. You know, uh, you yes. you you choose what you want. Yes. Facts are the facts. And. Yes, a vegan diet is the most healthiest diet there is. Okay, okay. So both of you have made your points as best you can. But can I just can I just ask you one question though? What about what about the compassion for the animals that we eat, Catherine? Does that figure at all in the world of nutritionists? I'm sure it does. For me, um, you know, don't kill them yourself personally. Don't go out murdering animals. That's fine. But what but that's just like saying you bring you get in you bring in a hitman or hire a killer. Like, what difference no. does that make? No, what's going to happen to the cows if we stop killing them all? Then eating them. Where are they going to go? We're going to raise them as well? Well, you know, see, you think, how do cows come? Uh, cows are inseminated and they're produced into huge quantities. Cows would not be like this if we didn't create them. We created what it is out there. It's not, you have so many cows out there. What are they going to do? Eat all the grass. So we created, yeah, because of demand, the vast qualities of cattle, pigs, sheep, chickens, Yes, and they're here. Man they're made. already on the planet. They're here now. No, 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 no. He's saying that the amounts of them are on an industrial level to, saci- yes. to, 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 to satiate, if that's the right word, our palates for, for meat. Okay, so he wants to take the choice away from people? They shouldn't be allowed to eat animals? He should be forcing his diet on everybody? No, that's the question we're asking? no, he's not forcing. No, he's no, not, no, forcing. I'm not forcing. No, that's what I'm saying. If you want to, I'm stop, saying is listen. I'm just telling you the fact. They should be allowed to. You're not telling if me you, facts, and you're making up problems. And the one problem that Neil was saying the last point was about animals, animal suffering, and what we have because of our population so large to create food that is unfortunately highly subsidized by the government. Meat is because if it wasn't, we wouldn't be able to afford it. Highly subsidized, and on top of that. It's, it's produced in factories, so animals are actually factories for consumption of meat. Pigs are kept in cages their whole lives, their whole lives. Chickens are 30,000 to a barn. And that's this what is an agricultural eating. country. I think there'd be farmers up and down who would deny this. They would say there is obviously. No, they wouldn't deny it. Well, deny why would we, it. for instance, deny it? Can I finish a sentence? Good Lord. Sorry. There is obviously the mass manufacturing of animals and the mass production of animals for eating, and that and that is definitely something that happens. But this is an agricultural nation. You'll see cows and pigs and everything. Like they're not all kept in cages. You can source meat ethically if you want to eat it. If you don't want to eat it, that's fine. But you can't force other people to not do something that you don't want. That's why we live in a free society. Fair enough. Fair enough. Points made. Thank you for that. Much obliged to both of you. I'll leave it at that for now. Catherine Rose and Jack Brennan. His book is Hungry Soul. How to Cook Vegan 100%. I hope to get a copy of it. And I can't wait for the vegan ice cream. Your thoughts are welcome on this. Text 0868104106. Thank you for that, Catherine. We want to balance on both sides of a discussion. But I want to say a big thank you to Jack for coming on air because uh, he's a happy chappy and it's good to catch up with him. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on one. 850-104-106 and we'll pick up on that in the morning. Before I leave you for the day that's in it, there was a lot then with regards to texts and topics of conversation from yesterday's program um, and also with regards to stuff that we've been dealing with recently. 
And amongst them, of course, was people who were talking about issues involving, you guessed it, uh, coronavirus, but different aspects of it. And I'll leave you with this one because we dealt in the past with pregnancy during COVID. Uh, and I hope you get the time to read out my message. I'm 18 weeks pregnant, very anxious at the thought of going into labor alone with the current COVID restrictions. Currently in the COMH, a nominated birthing partner can only attend the active birth and must leave one hour later and cannot return until mother and baby are released from hospital. My concern is it's different in each hospital. For example, in Dublin, dads can be there each day for two hours. They can attend the 20-week anomaly scan. But this is not allowed in Cork. Each hospital has different guidelines, but all have been set by the HSE. I'm attending every scan alone. Dad is so uninvolved and is not able to be there during this incredible experience that we have waited for so long as a couple. I can understand this whole, I can understand this while lockdown was in place, but now restrictions have eased. Dads can go to a restaurant together, play sports together, go to shopping centers, but can't be there during their baby's first days and when I will need him the most. I'm awake at night now thinking of this. I'll be alone for the biggest day of my life. And I believe it's disgraceful. While I appreciate they're trying to contain the virus, it's horrendous having different rules for each hospital for something so life-changing. I know I'm not alone and every expectant mom and dad are feeling the same right now. We need to see fairer rules and treatment of each other. If the government can set one set of rules for each restaurant in the country, why can't we have something similar for new mums and dads and allow them to look forward to this time? Please don't go over my details. I wonder, are there other pregnant women who feel the same as I? Let us find out. Email neil at uh, redfm.ie. Text 0868104106. And for that and all other business, get involved in the conversation. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.